It's my favorite part of the week, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks out there, using this show to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be in your ear holes. I usually say 90 plus minutes. For the last few weeks, it's been more like two hours. Uh, We do have bonus content this episode, so hunker down. You're in for a long workout this week. Uh, DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free thanks to our sponsors, Mac Weldon and Linode. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy guy who knows better than to stay in confined spaces with the mother of dragons, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Um, Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Guys, I'm in a, I beat Uncharted 4 World. Let's just talk about it. Uh, I feel my life is both better and worse because I'm no longer in that world. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. uh, Just hold your horses. Hold your horses, Christian Spicer. I know that pain. (laughs) Hey, I'm a, I have to admit, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little sick. I got, I got the strep uh, this weekend. So forgive me if you hear weird noises coming from me or if my voice sounds odd, I will muscle through as always, but we're excited because uh, we're going to have a really awesome episode. Lots to talk about. And we have a great guest guys. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But (laughs) this week... Oh, man, we are excited because DLC stands for Digital Love for Cats. Because yeah. we have YouTuber, <laughs> gamer, streamer, and cat lover extraordinaire, Allie Baker is here for the first time. Hey, Allie. Hey, I, I love cats so much. I love them in space. I love it when they're in space. <laughs> space cats. Oh, God, it's the best. Uh, Allie, you are, uh, you are uh, a video game fanatic. You are an awesome streamer. We actually, um, hosted something together once. Has that thing ever come out by the way? <laughs> I have no idea. I laugh about it sometimes. Cause it's like the one thing I've ever done where my parents were like, Oh my God, Allie, you made it. You finally did it. Larry King. <laughs> oh my God. Cause they don't, they don't really understand this generation. They're, they're getting there, but you know, it's, it's a stretch. But yeah, I always laugh about that. Yeah, I haven't seen it though. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's come it out. I think we, we did such a fun job. We got to talk to really cool people and oh well. Someday. But Red Man though. <laughs> yeah, we met Red Man. It was worth it for that. Um, uh-huh. All right, guys. Uh, let's start the show the way we normally do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And we love your feedback. You can always send us emails uh, talking about last week's stories or suggesting stories for this week by using dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also use our Twitter uh, hashtag, which is five by, or excuse me, is uh, dlcsotw on the Twitters, or uh, by visiting our subreddit, which is a cool place to hang out and talk to like-minded fans. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Allie, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Uh, do you Ooh. have... A story Oof. that you consider your story of the week? Oh, man. Uh, well, as someone who's been playing a butt-ton of Overwatch, personally, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm really stoked on that. And I think that what's really cool is that introducing like games like Battleborn to kind of bridge the gap while we're waiting for uh, Overwatch to come out, it's like cool to see the fusion of like MOBAs and shooters together as one. 
Yeah, and and a ton of people are playing shooters. Uh, if anybody would thought that shooters were on their way out, boy, are they wrong. Uh, 9.7 million people participated in Overwatch's open beta, which Blizzard is saying is a record for them. And uh, not to be outdone, The Division is uh, got the best-selling uh, all-time opening weekend in sales, the highest for them, uh, highest attach rate for a, a season pass. Ubisoft said they have a industry-wide record for a highest-selling February uh, title with... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, The Division is an Ubisoft game, obviously. But no, um, uh, Far Cry Primal... Was set the record for February. Uh, Division topped Activision's Destiny, um, which is what I meant to say, and misread my own notes here. Um, <laughs> so Ubisoft has two big, huge selling titles. Um, they got 9.5 million registered users of the Division. So like 10 million people are playing shooters in various kinds. Uh, this is good news. Uh, are you are you happy that that shooters continue to dominate, Allie? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, it's just nice for me because I, I've been playing a lot of MOBAs that are like down-angled, that you're looking down on the screen, and I like the idea of strategy. I like the idea of playing together. Um, one of the cool things about Battleborn that I've been doing is actually talking to my friends and like <laughs> strategizing, which, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I finally found a, an online crew again, which is kind of cool <laughs> as well. But yeah, it's nice when you can jump on and, you know, you're not just relying on randoms like you are in Call of Duty or, or like Battlefield. You actually have to knuckle down and like talk to your teammates, kind of devise a plan or at least use the controls properly to, you know, rush the base and, and yeah. win. So I like that. I like that that team that team sport, that e-sport, you know what I'm saying? Awesome. Yeah, Christian, do you think that, <laughs> that we have enough room for all of these different, very uh, intense, um, time-hungry games? I mean, all these are a big investment from players. Overwatch requires a lot of investment and, you know, and the Division and Destiny. And, and now we have Battleborn and we have, uh, what, Paragon coming. I mean, there's every one of these games is its own sort of... Um, uh, its own its own unique hobby. It's not like gaming is a hobby. It's like this particular game is a hobby. Is, yeah. is there room for all of them? The short answer is no, but uh, <laughs> every company wants to be one of the four or five or two that makes it, right? Because if you, I mean, this is American Ninja Warrior, right? Like if you get to the, or what was that Nickelodeon show you had to climb the mountain? If you, if you get- Oh, the aggro crab. Yes, the aggro- uh, Global guts. <laughs> I'm so glad you're on the I show, got you, Allie. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, you're not needed anymore. Anyway, yeah, 1994. Not. Nick, um, if you get to the top of this mountain and you're making the aggro crag, yes, aggro crag money. League, <laughs> if you're making league money, I mean, it's it's LOL for a reason. You know what I mean? Like you don't you don't care about anything. It's hands over fist. And if if you can figure out this nut and be one of the successful ones, it's happy days are here to stay. All of these can't be, though, right? I mean, they, they just can't. They might be flashes in the pan, but I think Allie, unintentionally or intentionally, threw some shade uh, Battleborn's <laughs> way as she was like, oh my gosh, Overwatch has me so excited. I'm so glad Battleborn's here for me to play yeah. for a day as I wait for <laughs> Overwatch. I mean, I think we're all in that situation right now, and like part of the reason why I got uh, Battleborn on Xbox is so that I could switch off of, like, I got, like, Overwatch for me feels like, a very PC game, PC controls, master race, like that whole deal. 
it just feels right. You can jump on Discord with your friends. It's seamless. Whereas Battleborn, I feel like, is more just like a hang zone with your friends. Just you have to have a good party. Um, but I like being able to like jump back and forth because I feel like for me, I'm more likely to go back to Battleborn if I have it on console. Because if it was just contending on my PC next to Overwatch, <laughs> GG, man. Just, you know, I'm never going to play it again. <laughs> well, yeah. it's... It's interesting to me that a company that has literally never done a first-person shooter, I'm talking about Blizzard now, oh, yeah. uh, leaps in and goes, well, oh, by the way, we know how to do that pretty well. It's Blizzvactivision, and there are reports <laughs> that Treyarch came in and, and helped with Hitbox and, and console control. Like, if any company that has never done a first-person shooter has the parent company or you know, co-company to like lean on, Blizzard was in good company, right? So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But Blizzard yeah. also, if you look at their track record recently, their recent track record, every game that they come out with is their first foray into it, and they hit it out of the park. They're like, we want to yeah, do a card do. game. What are these like? Oh, the best one ever, like, arguably. <laughs> yeah. They're literally cool. forcing Magic the Gathering to change their entire business model, in- which is insane. Insane. Yeah. It's what cute, is- though. I, I feel like it's just like Blizzard has had this just beautiful coming-of-age tale where every time they like come up with a new thing that they want to dominate, they just do it. And you're just like, oh, so you, you want to do, uh, do MOBAs now? That's cute. All right, I'll play that. Oh, I'm into this. Oh, you want to do FPS and MOBA? I'll do that, too. That This is great. Good job, guys. So, yeah. like, I don't know. Quality. Quality. I, I, one thing I love about the video game industry is it feels like the one piece of media where quality wins i mean there's a lot of there's there's still some crappy video games that make money but for the most part the better something is the better it does which you cannot say about films or tv shows there's a lot of garbage that makes tons of money um so i've always admired that about the video game industry as well i mean you're a time sync guy jeff what do you think do you think there's there's room for for these i mean you're a hero's person what will it take excuse me to to pull you away from that or to make one of these other games have a life longer than you're checking it out to talk about on the show well, I mean, I I still love um, I still love experiencing something from start to finish. So I hope we're not done with those types of games in the world. I really want to for sale. Uh, say hello. Right. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I think when you talk about that, you're talking about replay value as well. So the story is still really important. Although a lot of these games are focusing on multiplayer mode now, which is like if you look at Overwatch, if you even if you look at Battleborn. You know, story was kind of like a side thing for unlocks, like in Soul Calibur, where it's like, oh, let me play through the tower of like Lost Souls or whatever to like get different character unlocks. Whereas, like, I don't know. All I'm saying is, I feel like replay value-wise, the most important thing is a good story. Yeah, well, they want that. They want that long tail, and I think they invest you in that world. I mean, clearly, Overwatch has taken story to to heart, and they're releasing those cool little animated shorts to introduce you to that world and to create a a narrative that you can latch onto. I think that's important. Um, but but yeah, I, I, you know, those kinds of games that require to to really enjoy them over a long period, you have to get good, and in order to get good, you have to really <laughs> play them a lot. Um, GG, get good. Yeah, good. Oh, I've never, I've never heard that before, but maybe yeah. that is what GG should, should stand for. That's what it stands for now because everything's becoming team-based. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I play more Heroes of the Storm than I really should. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't imagine anything replacing that in the short term, but, you know, at some point, who knows? Um, I, I, love, I love the idea of playing a game and getting really good at that game and having a team of people and a crew that you run with. All that is, is very, very fun. Um, 
As long as you're not playing Second Life, man, that's cool. I guess. I never got into that. I like I literally no. never played that. So. Babies have starved. Just <laughs> <laughs> Christian, what is your story of the week? Oh, I'm sorry. Um I was busy pouring out a forty for um Disney the Infinity, that- which I guess was oh, incorrectly named Disney Definitely Finite. Um, right. Man, <laughs> I saw- <laughs> Definitely oh, Finite. I've I've uh, talked about it on the show. Uh, I've been guests, fortunate enough to be guests on some great Toys to Life, you know, dedicated shows. And the, the genre is not dead yet, but Disney Infinity is is done. So Disney, if the genre is not dead. If Disney can't do it, well, with their stable of characters we'll, and the quality of toys that they were putting out, I'll get to that. Kanata, slow sorry. down. Sorry, I just watched uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and I feel like you're the carriage that's being pulled by the horses. This is a ten year old reference, but I'm just now finally watching the Harry Potter film. So let me <laughs> let me have it. Um, spoiler, <laughs> yes, spoiler. he's a Horcrux. Spoiler alert. Also, spoiler. <laughs> it's the first Harry Potter film I thoroughly enjoyed. The rest, I was like, these are good, but this Goblet of Fire. Good. Um, <laughs> hot takes, guys. <laughs> uh, Disney Infinity, they announced that there's not going to be a 4.0. It's, they're not going to continue the franchise. Avalanche Software Studios is being shuttered, which stinks because it's like a bunch of people losing their jobs. 300 of them. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. And they have still have two uh, Finding Dory playset coming out, and I believe some Alice through the Looking Glass figures. And, they just, and uh, Disney is getting out of the video game publishing uh space they would still of course work with ea and um oh titanfall developer uh respawn is making a third person star wars action game so you still see disney property in games but disney as a studio will be no more and friend of the show and scoops mcgee has a i added the mcgee uh at a great article on kotaku patrick klepik talking about the fall of disney infinity and it looks like 2.0 kind of did them in 1.0, 1.0, they had uh, not enough figures out. And in 2.0, I guess they didn't know how to manage expectations. There were rumors that they were going to partner with Hasbro going forward to help with you know, that type of distribution and ramping up and creating things. <coughs> but Patrick talks about in his article that Disney made 2 million Hulk figures. Hulk was one of the more popular Oof. figures. Sold a million of them, which, let's be honest, that's awesome. You sell yeah. a million of a thing? But how many, did, how many did they produce, though? Two. Yeah, so there's a million holes. <laughs> They're going to have to put them next to all those cartridges of VT. Right. And, and so <laughs> I think what did them in, and I think they were profitable, <clears throat> but not as profitable as it could have been. And I, I think it makes sense to me, unfortunately. I think if you're Disney and you see what Battlefront sold and how much money they're making off of that, off of like licensing or whatever, and the investment they have in that is none, right? Like the investment they have in Battlefront is maybe a tarnished brand if it's not a good game. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like, why do we need to keep making this and having toys and doing a relationship with Hasbro or whatever to do this thing and to create this property when it's like, nah, dog, we're good. So it personally bums me out, but I I get it. Allie, are you a Toys to Life person? Does this this make you cry? Oh my God, I... uh... I, what I'm curious about is what you think it, if it was more like just a, a, a money management decision on their part that kind of drove them into the ground or whether it was just falling in the footsteps of uh, Skylanders and then with Amiibos coming out like pretty quickly after that. 
I it feel feels like, like it feels like it's a, it's a even bigger decision than just Disney Infinity because Disney is getting out the game of making video games at all entirely. Yeah. All right. yeah, all right. They're moving to a pure licensing model, which I actually kind of think is a, a bit of a silver lining here because, <laughs> well, I think that <laughs> I think putting the the massive cool IP that Disney commands at this point in the hands of awesome developers that are like perfect for that IP yeah. is actually going to result in better games for us over the long terms instead of them like putting together a team to make the Marvel game or putting together a team to make the Star Wars game like taking those IP and giving them to the right studio and making judicious decisions as to which studio should have the their you know should make the cool um you know, finding dory game or whatever it is that Disney wants yeah. to make I think ultimately we may end up with better games from that. But well, it sucks because Disney, Disney Infinity, Infinity was good. Yeah, I know you really liked it, right, Christian? <laughs> it was good. I, I mean, it's it's not Uncharted 4. It's not meant to be, right? <laughs> but like, I mean, it, I almost feel like that's where they made their false step because with Epic Mickey, I was like invested and, and a lot of the titles that they were bringing. I'm, I'm not like, don't get me wrong, I'm not a huge Disney buff. So it, there's nothing that really captured me, but... As soon as I found out that they were like jumping on board the figure train, I started to slowly tip, like tiptoe back into the darkness and like underneath the bushes and just watch from afar and not touch that. Mm-hmm. So, like I don't know, maybe that's just my viewpoint. Um, I was also working at GameStop at the time, and when we got the figures in stock, I, everyone was just like, "Wait, what?" Like we had a few big, like huge Disney fans, but I don't know. It, I- I think it's interesting what Twitchykins here in the chat says. He says, video games are super risky. Disney is not about risk ever. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective. I, I think that's uh, there's some truth to that. I think you know, Dis- Disney certainly says, does lots of risky stuff. But um, you know, movies aren't exactly low risk. Although I'm Disney. Have... I do what I want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> when you get Star Wars and Marvel, I guess they're less risky. But um, anyway, uh, it's really sad. I think, I think that the quality of the Disney Infinity toys was really high and i think it's it's too bad that we're not going to see more of them because just as pure toys they seemed really cool to me but um yeah maybe they're, out. Just, maybe they're just stepping back to focus more on star wars i mean i can live with that <laughs> yeah um i would say my story of the week is the announcement of civilization six which is coming out october 21st of this year really cool i think we're seeing more and more of this now uh after last year and fallout 4's cool like Hey, we're announcing the game and it's coming out in just a couple of months. I think we're going to see that a lot. I think this E3 is actually going to be the most games announced for the same year ever. That's my prediction. Uh, Because I think a lot of these companies are like, these long PR cycles don't really work, but a short PR cycle can. So first of all, I'm excited that it's like, we're announcing it and it's coming out in October. So get get amped. I think it has, uh, it sounds like it's going to have a lot of really cool improvements, uh, little tweaky improvements that make late game in particular more fun because they're kind of revamping how you deal with multiple cities and stuff. And I love the Civ franchise, so I'm excited for more. It sounds like um, you know th- this team at 2K is really passionate about these turn-based games, and I am too. I, I couldn't be more excited for Civ. Are you a Civilization girl, Allie, or no? Uh, I am not, but uh, I'm going to save it for later. I, I do. I checked out a really sweet game at, at PAX that is turn-based, and um, I'm a fan. I'm, cool. I'm starting to get into it, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the games that I played so much on my Xbox 360 was Civilization Revolutions, which was like a oh yeah, I, a, sort of a, a simplified version of Civ, which I think um, I, I would love them to continue with that franchise because I feel like that would be a little more along the lines, of, even something I would play a lot more because I played a ton of that. And as much as I love the, you know, the full PC Civ games, a simplified version is not bad, and it's it's certainly not like for babies. You know, it's it's still really good and has cool strategies. So my one year old is, is playing it though, and she's really good. That's <laughs> well, true. Christian, are you uh, excited for Civ Six? I have not do- dove dived. <laughs> I have not been a Civ person since like Civ One or Two. These games quickly outsmarted me, or. I was unwilling to put in the time and I know the early civs, I guess, arguably are more complex maybe, or like harder to wrap your head around, but they also had an instruction book that I could sit down and study. And I was little and had more time to play with them. I love, love the civilization games loved. I should say, I just haven't maybe three was three. The last one I played, Um, but I'm excited. Six there have been making such quality games and six, what they're doing with it, I think looks cool. It's like, how do you tweak a franchise that is both beloved and on its sixth iteration? <laughs> you run the risk of like angering people or having it not be a quote true sieve, and it just <laughs> walks that line. I'm super excited, and I think actually uh, I'm going to get to play it next week, so uh, I will report Ooh. back. Um, guys, I want to bring up one other story here before we move on from from the news um, because it, this made me lols. Uh, Capcom had an earning statement. A lot, of, a lot of people had an earning statement. That's why we talked about numbers at the, at the beginning with all these people saying, we, we made so much money with our first-person shooter games. Capcom also had an earning statement. Uh, and they revealed that they learned a lesson from Street Fighter V, guys. I'm going to re- read this uh, verbatim because I find it hilarious. Uh, Capcom <laughs> said in the briefing, uh, turns out it's best to spend a little more time in developing and running a quality a high-quality title that will perform well globally. For example, some aspects of Street Fighter V needed more polish, such as the lack of content and server issues oh. at launch. Yeah, turns out we should have actually had. <laughs> turns out we should have had content and servers that worked. Who knew? Jeez, that second one though. Oh god. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm glad they've learned that lesson, and they're saying that in the future they're going to make sure things are more polished. But I don't think the word I don't think the word polish applies here. I think (laughs) you know actual foundations and construction (laughs) quality. Hey, kudos for them for actually owning up to their mistake, though. I mean, there's there's so many you know people out there that won't even budge and kind of shun away from admitting that they were wrong. So. Yeah. You know what? Let's just let's just give a little round of applause. Yeah, good guys. job, Capcom. Well good done. Good choice of words too. Good choice of words. Glad you figured out that uh, content in in a release is important, and uh, having an online game that has stable servers that works. also important. Yeah. What uh, surprised me the most was Street Fighter Six came out. I don't know if you guys have played. It. I mean, there's no <laughs> content at all, but like. It's just a title screen. It's just a t- but it, yeah, they got it out but quick. You can't log on uh, online yet. But <laughs> just another movie game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about the games we've been playing. So that means it's uh, almost time for the playlist. But first, do you want to thank our sponsor, Mac Weldon? Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm wearing more than just I underpants. Hope so. 
I'm wearing more than just it. underpants today. I usually, I'm usually just wearing underpants when I record. I've been sick this week, so I actually have sweats on. And apparently, but, you're also a liar usually. So I'm glad you're being honest with us this week. Do you don't think I actually just wear underpants? Well, I, you, I mean, you just said that you're being honest with us. So oh, most of the time I'm like, right yeah. now. Most of the time I'm not. At all. <laughs> but uh, those underpants, the aforementioned underpants that I wear, and that I'm still wearing under my uh, under my uh, sweatpants right now. That uh, sickness, are, you got to sweat it out. You do, you, and you want to feel comfortable, especially when you're sick. If your body doesn't feel good. You got to do everything you can to make it comfortable, and that's where Mac Weldon comes in because Mac Weldon has premium fabrics, simple shopping, comfortable basics, comfortable underwear, comfortable mm. socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. They're the place to go if you want high quality stuff and you want to buy it easily. You don't want to go all the way down to the Target or the nope. stupid big box store to buy your underpants because nope. they're low quality. It, it's a pain in the butt. You want your butt to be feeling good and, and smelling good. Because and not in pain. And not in pain because they're uh, antimicrobial, the Mac Weldon underpants, so your butt won't smell. It's easy to buy them. All you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com. There was a coupon code. Oh. Oh. Do tell is. me more. There do is. tell me more. How, how does 20% off sound to you guys? It sounds great. How does using the promo code DLC stand to you guys? Shut up and take my money. Yes. Mac Wilden is ready to accept your orders. They're going to give you 20% off just for listening to this show. You use promo code DLC when you go to MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code DLC, get 20% off. Get your get, Upgrade yourself. Give yourself some comfortable, not smelly clothes, basics. We all need them. You so actually just had me at comfortable, not smelly clothes, so thank you. Right? Hey, I watched your stream. I saw your pile of laundry on the floor. <laughs> I know. I've been doing that college maneuver where I just Febreze stuff now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's good. It's fine. Well, <laughs> Mac Weldon, I'm telling you, you should check him out. Get 20% off. Use that yeah, promo. Yeah, that's not bad, dude. All yeah. right, let's do it. Uh, let's, let's get to the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us. All right, Ali. Um, you you mentioned playing a lot of Battleborn. I know that's on your playlist. I haven't had a chance to dive into the retail version yet. I played some of the beta, but tell me what you like about Battleborn. Oh man, I just I really like working. I've, here's the biggest thing for me: I haven't had an Xbox Live crew in a long time, and I just like being able to hop on Xbox Live. The get. Don't get me wrong. If you're playing with randoms, you're probably going to be disappointed unless you get really lucky with the matchmaking. Um, but I love the idea of having a first-person shooter like MOBA. Like I like doing like the uh, – I forgot the name of the map, but there's one that's just like MOBAs that's really sweet. You have capture points, and you're taking down sentries, and you got to guide the bots. Um, but there's no way that you're going to be able to do it unless you're working together and like capturing points as a team. Um, so I just really like being able to talk to people. I like that like team sport aspect of it. Um, and don't get me wrong. You got that. You got that with Overwatch too, you know, shameless plug, but, uh, Battleborn's really fun because it has that Borderlands feel. Um, and, uh, does it, it does feel like Borderlands to you. It, it scratches that same itch. It totally does. And on top of that too, they have like amazing cutscenes. Um, you can, you can tell like the, the graphics, they've put a lot of work into it. 
Um, like the, the comic booky style of it's really awesome. Um, I, I'm really as, you know, just for what it is, I wasn't really expecting much, but I'm really enjoying it. And, and that says a lot, I think for me. So, so if now, one of the things I feel like is a, is a plus one to Battleborn over uh, games like Overwatch and, and others that are sort of starting out this new first person, uh, MOBA genre yeah. or is is that it does have a single player campaign? Have you spent any time with that? I have. Um, as I was saying earlier, what I really do like about this game is it plays out like a lot of Capcom games do, like uh, Resident Evil, or even like I mean, not a Capcom game or Soul Caliber. Um, Soul Caliber does with like the Tower of Lost Souls, where you're unlocking features. You play through story modes of like with each individual character, and you'll get different unlocks for each character. You're unlocking weapons and skins. Um, but with this, you have, it's a lot like Call of Duty where you have buffs and skill sets um, that you can pick each match and kind of customize that. It's it's just tiny little buffs, but it does totally make a difference over time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no prestige, but hell, I love it. So. It does It does seem like the strength of Battleborn, at least for me, just the, you know, the few hours that I played of the beta, the strength of it is is in those character designs because I feel like their characters are so interesting and cool and different and really throw some wacky play styles in there. For sure. Um, do you that's have a how, favorite? I mean, that's how they hook you is with like all the unlocks. Like right now, I'm I've been playing with uh, Marquis and mm-hmm. he's like a robot sniper with a fancy mustache and a pet owl. Oh right, <laughs> he's the guy that like when, like he runs all super erect and uh, yeah, proper. yeah, like, yeah. The guy's name, the owl's name is Houdini. And when my favorite thing is when one of the cool things about this too, it, that feels a lot like Borderlands is a lot of the dialogue is like kind of witty and funny and like, you know, it's almost like James Gunn with a lot of the stuff that he does. Yeah. It's like, it has a lot of depth to it and it's, it's, you know, fun. It's fun for younger kids, but it's also, there's something smart that can be said about the way that they, the comedic timing and all that stuff. But my favorite thing is when you, you do the owl, um, and you make him fly out and do damage. He's like, Houdini, go for the eyes. <laughs> and it's just, it just, it makes me giggle every time. I don't know why. <laughs> so you've been, you've been going between that and the Overwatch beta. Um, it sounds like you're all in on Overwatch though. Oh yeah. I mean, <coughs> it's, it's awesome. I've, I've never been a, a huge, huge Blizzard fan. Maybe back in the day I played some WoW. I, uh, I lost my social life for a few years, um, and that was great. But uh, ever since then, I, I've kind of just shunned it and not really looked back. Um, a lot of my friends were getting into, you know, Heroes when it came out, and uh, I just couldn't get on board because I was so worn out from LOL at that time. But, you know, I'm I'm always down to jump back on that FPS train, always. So um, just, you know, playing this, on, especially on PC, it just feels so right. Just feels so right. <laughs> it's it does seem unfortunate that Battleborn and Overwatch are coming out so close to one another. It feels like if they had a little room in there, they might carve out more of an identity. I, I fear that Battleborn is going to get lost a little yeah. bit. In yeah, that. yeah. I, I feel the same way, it, and it it totally sucks too because they if they would have had better timing, I think it would have worked out for them. But what I keep hearing from you know all my friends and just people in chat and um, you know on Twitter is oh, man, I'm playing Battleborn right now just until Overwatch, you know, just to hold me over. And it's like, oh, man, like, it's actually, it's a pretty good game. You just need to find the right people. You know, matchmaking could use a little bit of work, 
I, I will say that, but you know, it's, it's, it's early, you know, you might dive yeah. back. We don't know. I also wonder, and Christian, I'd love to hear your take on this. I also wonder if Battleborn was called Borderlands three and it just was like Borderlands three is a multiplayer MOBA with the first, you know, with a single player campaign and has lots more characters and they're wacky and different. I wonder if more people would be taking notice of it. And it, you know, it's kind of the the peril of new IP sometimes is that I feel like Battleborn, for whatever reason, hasn't really carved out mind share in the same way that maybe Borderlands 3 would have. I mm. think border, calling it Borderlands 3, I think people would have been pissed unless it had an 80 hour board. I think they could have called it <laughs> Borderlands colon battle at whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can make it put some battle favorite, at the border. Battle yeah. at the border. That'd be actually be a funny Borderlands. <laughs> title because that game you know is has fun with itself yeah and i think you put in some borderlands characters i mean heroes of the storm blizzard was like we want to get into a moba what do we have that people love oh these other games how can we get them to play our moba by letting them play as our as the people they love right like yeah. you don't need to reinvent the wheel you make this great game but put in handsome jack in it let me play as a claptrap oh in, a, in, a, in a moba and he's just like spouting off nonsense the whole time you go to a vending machine to get new guns out or whatever like I, I think that's a, a lost opportunity. Lean on your, one of your strongest franchises. My my question for Battleborn, I think it's like, you know, cracking this nut and uh, what's the, uh, all these names are so generic, which is <laughs> another problem. Uh, there's another <laughs> one I played the beta on Xbox One. It'll come to me later. But it's like, MOBAs are so big. First person shooters are big. And mm-hmm. then somewhere there is an executive sitting in his office or her office. It can be either one. I can gender neutralize the statement. Sitting in their office, looking at their left hand and then their right hand. And they just slowly put their hands together and interlocked their fingers and were like, <laughs> next step, <Or> like, money. <laughs> just like petting a cat maniacally, like, I'll get you, MOBAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I wonder if it works or if it doesn't work. It's like MOBA fans. This is the first-person shooter you've always wanted. And they're like, wait, what? And it's like first-person shooter fans. Finally, a MOBA for you. And they're like, what? And then it's like... Is yeah. it a game that no one asked for? I don't. I'm looking forward to play it. I haven't played it since the beta yet either. Hopefully this week I'll have time. I was out of town um, this weekend in Uncharted 4. But um, yeah. Christian, you bring up a, a really good point though. I think that like familiar, like familiar, la- I can't words, just making it relevant enough to gamers that they have something to familiarize with. There you go. I said a word. Um <laughs> It, it brings people on board. I mean, it didn't have to be a lot of a thing. Just give us character unlocks. Like in Soul Calibur, when you had, you could play as like, uh, if you had, I think it was like PS4, you could do Darth Vader and like 360, you could play yeah. as Yoda. And that was just like a really cool incentive for people to hop on board. And I think a lot of people saw Battleborn and saw the familiarities with with Borderlands and were like, oh, this is really cool. And like I said, you get that in the dialogue, but it wasn't enough for people to like just hop right on the train. It does um, seem interesting that that for whatever reason, it hasn't really gained traction mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that some of these other games have. And and I don't know what you can if you can put your finger on one specific thing because it seems to have a lot of the right elements, but I don't know if it has the mind share that it deserves. Well, I wonder they should have they should have just named it uh, Battleborn Borderlands Three confirmed. <laughs> and everyone would have hopped on. Rice I would have been there. In the chat says uh, gigantic. Gigantic is the game I'm I'm thinking of, which I know is a little different, but also similar. And to your yeah, point, similar. Jeff, I wonder if 
you know, these games, what people are trying to do is they're creating the Homer car from the Simpsons, right? Where it's like all <laughs> the best ideas, but yeah. a horrible Frankenstein's monster. Well, I, I won't say that. I mean, it sounds like Allie's having fun with it. And I, you know, I'm sure there's fun. I don't think it's a bad game. I sure, haven't, sure. you know, played it much myself, but I look forward to playing it. I just, the, there's, the just sense so, of, there's so much out right now. It's, yeah. it's honestly, it's bad timing. It's maybe not the best marketing Actually, marketing-wise, they've done great. Let me just scratch that all all together. But I think <laughs> I think planning-wise, and in terms of like making it relevant to their audience and their demographic, I don't think they did a good job in you know pulling people in. And I think that's what they were lacking. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Doom. I have mm. been playing a ton of it. I know Christian has been playing some. Ali has tried to install it, which is... <laughs> I, I just should... got it working. I just got it working today. So as soon as I'm done, I will probably be spending the rest of my day streaming that. There was a lot. <laughs> I saw a lot of consternation and, and yells yells around uh, your attempts to install it. Yep. Um, but yep. uh, I want to I just want to preface this, preface this by saying uh, last year, oh, just about this time, almost exactly a year ago, guys, uh, it was a, a little event I like to call E3, Ooh. and uh, Bethesda ha- revealed uh, Doom, uh, the big trailer, and uh, Christian and I got on the old DLC podcast, and what did we do? We talked about what we thought, and I'm pretty sure I was the only one that thought that was a cool-looking idea and what? said, you know, if they uh, if they can pull it off, then... What? Uh, that's Are you talking about ma- the map building and all that stuff? No, I was talking about just Doom as just, an idea. Just, just Doom, bringing it. back. Bringing it back. Why not? So, someone, so that I don't have to do it because I've pull quoted too many of Jeff's things recently. Uh, I was totally high on the Doom train. Were you? Wolfenstein was one of my favorite games the year it came out. And this Why do been- I have a re- recollection of you feeling like it was a bad idea for them to even... Or maybe it was our guest. Maybe it was our guest that was yeah, saying that. Yeah, it on our unnamed guest that I don't Whoever our name. guest was is a real D, real right? Real idiot. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> not, not today's guest. Not until oh. next week. Next week, we'll call you an idiot. Ellie. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Just wait until I'm outside of the room and you can talk as much smack about me as you want. It'll be great. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> well, I also, I also remember back in the old weekend confirmed days, uh, me talking very glowingly about a game called Bulletstorm. Mm. And many people did not like that game, and I thought that game was cool, despite its kind of crass and really lame uh, tone. I didn't really enjoy the sort of stupid jokes that it constantly had, uh, off-color jokes and, you know, strange. But despite that tone, I thought the game was ridiculously fun because it allowed you to be sort of creative and go on this... Sort of have killing and in creative ways be a oh, form yeah. of expression, right? Yeah. Uh, cut and to that's doom. What it should be about man, about just imagining new ideas and being creative with new games, not just the same stuff over and over again. Well, I think Doom managed to be manages to be both a throwback to a very classic style that doesn't <laughs> that 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 really doesn't get made anymore. It's super fast, like incredibly fast in a way that games aren't anymore and very arcadey in that way. Uh, and, you know, has these big labyrinthine maps that have secrets hidden all over them and you can kind of easily get lost and you have to re- rely on your mini map and there's no, there's no like waypoint telling you which way to go. Well, there is actually, I shouldn't say that there are waypoints, <laughs> but there's, you know, it's, it's more, it's more classic, like get to the end of the level and here's the secrets you got. Here's the secrets you missed. You know, it's very much that classic Doom style of game 
very fast, very violent, very over the top. You're always feeling very powerful, but also adds in this level of creativity and and improvisation on the battlefield that allows you to kind of have fun in this sort of symphony of of murder that <laughs> I that, love that sentence. <laughs> I know it's a it's not something I usually praise because I'm Sy- sort of on Symphony the, of Murder was also a really great Megadeth song. Yeah, yeah, the their their second album. Uh, <laughs> musical Death. Um the uh yeah, you know, I I'm definitely in, in the in the camp of there should be more games that don't rely on killing as a central mechanic. I think video games need to progress in that area farther. But when a game does it this well and has such like sort of, you know, heavy metal aesthetic fun with it and it doesn't take itself seriously at all and it's just delivering this. I mean, this is what Duke Nukem should have been. This is Oh my god, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is I mean, it's I just think a blast. Why- at the same time, I think that's why a lot of people had their reservations about the game is because we all saw what happened. I mean, Duke Nukem paved the way for so many games, and same thing with Doom. Like, we, Doom holds a very, very special place in a lot of our hearts. I mean, Dead Space wouldn't have been what it was without Doom. Um, interesting, yeah. And, and even just the way that they utilized, um, like, sound and, like, like, wearing a headset playing Doom back in the day you could hear footsteps, the lighting effects, yeah. like just changed everything for so many people. So I think a lot of people held that dear to their hearts and they were like, well, you know what? Just don't mess this up. Cause if you mess this up, I'm going to hate you forever. Just don't mess it up. Well, it's interesting that they took it in a very different direction from doom three, right? Cause doom three was sort of slow and methodical and really, you know, doubled down on that horror feeling. Yeah. And doom two was this fast paced, like quake game. And they're back to that. They're back to, you know, when, when we saw that trailer at E3 last year and they showed those, uh, up close kills that, you know, the, the, the demon will flash oh my a color. God. I peed kills. myself. <laughs> yeah. Glory kills. Correct. Uh, you know, I think we all were worried that it would get old, you know, and even more so in the fact that you're doing those constantly in this game. And yet for some reason they don't get old. Well, uh, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you. I think I think part of it. So I'm an hour in. I have it here on my Twitch and then archived at the YouTube page too. You can see when some of it was me getting my audio mix right because Doom is a very loud game. <laughs> um, yep. I, I think what they do really well, and this is first hour spoilers, uh, mechanic spoilers, is that when you do the glory kills, you the enemies will drop health. And Doom is not a hide behind a cover and your health doesn't regenerate, right? It's that classic first person shooter. You're picking up mm. armor packs, you're picking Survival. up health packs. So if you're able to go in and do a glory kill on a person and they drop health, it's just really compelling push pull of you want to be close enough to this horde of enemies or a particular enemy in this horde to be able to pull off the glory kill. But the risk of that is once you see them flash, if you rush in, there's four other imps or whatever monsters waiting to attack you. And so do you rush in to get the health to do the thing? Or do you balance out by saying, okay, I'm actually going to save more health by staying out here and doing this fight from afar. And then they add the chainsaw in about 30 minutes into the game that when you use the chainsaw, which is tied to gas, but if you use the chainsaw, the enemies drop ammo. And so it's like this really interesting um, tug of war going on mechanically with the game that they create almost many choke points with characters like with the demons themselves are their own choke points in these combat arenas with how you want to rush in and take them out and it it works so well that when you get a glory kill and it the animation looks great and beautiful and wonderful but you're also like (laughs) yes 
because they drop health. <laughs> like the end of my stream last night, I think it was down to 4%. And I didn't die in the first hour I played, but I was like, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then I saw an imp that was, I think it's still called an imp, uh, a demon that was off by itself. And I was like, yes! <laughs> well, it's what you're describing is such a brilliant design decision because it's the opposite of how first person shooters tend to work now, mm-hmm. which is you're in trouble, run to cover, wait yep. till your health automatically restores, stop playing for a second. Well, that's mm-hmm. how a lot of these MOBAs are now is, is people just run. Yeah. And, uh, this, you got to barrel through. It's kind of like that Disney with that high risk, high reward. Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is, is a design decision that rewards continuing to play the game it it encourages you to be bold to be be aggressive be aggressive aggressive yeah Yeah. so and and this is what the entire design aesthetic of doom of this new doom is is be aggressive leap in there go crazy stay moving it constantly tells you you're so fine you blow my my head demon (laughs) exactly it's a it's the cheerleading game of demon killing (laughs) and the 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 encouragement to sort of be on the run, be moving all the time, be fast. It, it is just, it provides a throwback to a, a time when games were like this. And it reminds you how much fun this sort of arcadey chaos can be because you, you never feel, you constantly feel overpowered. You constantly feel in control like you are conducting the symphony of death. <laughs> Way to bring it back. There's yeah, a, uh, a stand-up like, oh gosh, who is it? <laughs> Oh, this bothers me. But, uh, oh, sorry, friend, that I'm blanking on your name. And I won't do the bit. But the idea is that at some point, I think we've all heard the analogy or the thought, but at some point, there will be one too many two-year-olds and you will lose a fight. You know, like, at some point, you can't beat infinity Mm. Uh, two-year-olds. And this game, you feel overpowered, but that is lends to your hubris of, like, oh, I can take 10 of those demons now there's 12. I'm pretty, I can pretty sure I can get all, I can just run in there. There's 20. I should not have run in there. I should not have run in there. <laughs> go back, go back. No, it's too, it's, we already, we went too far. We went keep too going, far. Keep, keep going, going, keep going, keep going. But it's that berserker thing of like the more, the deeper in you dive, the more health you're going to get. And you just kind of continue to, and then it layers on top, like the secrets that are, that are constantly peppered throughout the levels that are fun to find, that actually have cool rewards for finding yeah, them. Yeah, high the, risk, high reward. That's yeah, what it's the, all about. The rune system that gives you these cool like bastion reminds me of the game Bastion. These like bastion like um, little mini challenges that'll reward you with cool runes that give tweaks to your character. Uh, so there's a lot of character customization, but not in the typical way of RPG games. In, in a way that constantly comes back to what's fun about this game is shooting stuff, and we're going to keep yeah. feeding you back into that shooting stuff loop and just being a, a carnage machine. And again. I love the tone of games that are more cerebral and, and you know, I'm, I'm excited for Civ 6, right? But every once in a while, I, I, I like these games and I find myself booting up this game as a relaxation because it's not tense. Yes. It feels, I feel super powered and it feels cathartic and fun to just rip around a level and tear things up. Also, can I just say Carnage Machine? Great band name. Great, yeah, they were amazing name. at Coachella. I love them. <laughs> but a really bad Marvel comic from the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, question for you. You're much further into the game than I am. In my in my first hour, I found that like going into the upgrade, like you go into your menu and, and you know you can tab over to 
upgrade your gun or look at your map or upgrade your suit. And to me that I never wanted to push pause. I never wanted to do that. Like I unlocked right. a dope exploding uh, grenade out of my shotgun or whatever, which is cool. But that it's like, I understand they want to have the modern video game customize stuff in there, but does that, did that slow you down at all? Does that become a hindrance or does it, did they strike that balance? A little bit. I mean, I found myself almost never referring to the minimap until I got way far into, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a little sick, uh, until I got way far into the game. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I unlock stuff on the minimap that tells me where secrets are. Well, now I'm going to like spend some time <laughs> and find those secrets. But yeah, I agree that I, I, I was able to sort of find my way around and, and do most of the stuff without ever getting out of that fun gameplay loop. And so, yeah, anything that slows you down this game feels even more heightened because you're just amped and running. You're on you're on crack through this whole game. You're just running around ripping stuff up, um, and it's fun, and you don't want to stop. Yeah. Okay. I like it, but you know, it's each new weapon isn't that different from the others. I mean, the the alt fire on each of them is kind of cool. And again, you know, remember when weapons had alt fires in games? Oh yeah, that was really fun when that happened. Um, it's back. It's back. You know, and and I think it. I think we were all worried when they didn't send out any review copies for Doom ahead of time. I think we all thought, "Oh my gosh, they know it's bad." It is fun. This game is fun. Um, I mean, I it, ha- it all goes back to Duke Nukem. It's it's kind of like how how Pluto was a planet, and they were like, "No, just forget about it, that we ever said it was a planet. Let's just forget that Duke Nukem ever happened." The remake. <laughs> yeah. Just forget it happened. We'll all go about our lives and, and everything will be fine again because I feel like Doom really redeemed those old school remakes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, kudos to this team. I think they managed to latch on to all the things that made Doom Doom, heighten those, and add just the right peppering of new, fresh ideas to make it seem modern and, and work. I, I, I'm shocked at how much I enjoy this game. I'm really digging it. New it is... Uh, on a roll, right? Wolfenstein, Doom, two games that most people Ooh. thought didn't need to be rebooted or couldn't be reinvigorated in a modern console or gaming space. And it, it seems like, you know, they've hit both out of the park. It's awesome. And yet, I think we're hearing that it is talking about making fewer and fewer, you know, actual games, um, which yeah. is just a little disconcerting. Sp- spending the time and in, in putting that content in there. Yeah, is, is what I think it comes down to, and and even what did you, did you try the snap maps at all? Not yet. No, I haven't. I haven't even touched multiplayer, and I haven't touched the snap maps. I'm sure there's going to be tons of really cool, creative ways of utilizing that, and, and awesome user generated stuff to play. But I think the the single player campaign is really good. Shines okay. on its own. Corrections coming from the chat from a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, Machine Games did do Wolfenstein. So Bethesda, whoever's doing these old id properties. Uh, no. doing a good job with them. Well, 2K did Duke Nukem, so it's it's all spread around. <laughs> but um, the one thing I will say, though, is uh, it's a, also a throwback to old games in the sense that I could not care less about whatever story they're trying to tell me. It It is dumb and irrelevant, and it doesn't matter. And, it, and, my, and my, even my player character couldn't care like the, the guy was like hey do a thing and then the my <laughs> character just like kicks it and breaks it because he's so <laughs> punk rock and the guy's like don't do that and he's like i don't care it's like i just i'm just here to destroy oh, stuff man yeah dude yeah. what was that game that came out not that long uh, actually it was a it was a while ago it was like five or six years ago it came out it was like this guy who knew he was in a video game it was supposed to be like throwback to duke nukem 
and he was like making fun of the plot and stuff. Oh my god, that's you know what I'm really about? old. Uh, yeah. When was that game? That was good. Uh, I actually maybe really Chat enjoyed that. Figure it out. Yeah, who Ch knows? Chat will have our back, but uh, yeah. Oh man, I played that on 360. That was great. Well, what was that called? We reviewed it on the Totally Rad Show. So it was a long time ago, but um, yeah, Christian. Um, you and I, I should have, did I mention this at the top? I should have mentioned should it. Should be top. bonus content. Yeah. We're going to have bonus content at the end of this episode. We have a full spoiler discussion on Uncharted 4. Uh, so get excited for that because Christian and I have already recorded it. We talked for about 40 minutes about Oof. Uncharted 4. But uh, we, are, we are here in the non spoiler area. And now that you have finished Uncharted 4, do you want to say things that are not repeats of what you say later, but are also not spoilers? Well, I, I can't not repeat. Max Hazard! It was Max Hazard. Thank you, uh, Jesse, Jesse Hayes. Max yes. Hazard is the name of that game. That game was awesome. Because they weren't they weren't vying for much with that. They were just trying to make poke fun at old school games and, and have fun with a, a remake, you know? I, I think for a lot of people, it's some nostalgia as well. Uh, could 432 also said it before Jesse did, but he didn't use all oh, caps like well, Jesse did. He said did, Matt so. Hazard. So, oh, he did say Matt Dibsies. Hazard. Uh, another game specific. Uh, <laughs> Remily, Eat Lead, the return of Matt Hazard. Is it Matt That's or right. Matt? Ma anyway, Uncharted 4. I feel like guys. it might be Matt. I think, I think, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Max makes more sense. I've but turned anyway. the page on a crappy old game. And oh, it's Matt. At Uncharted 4 now. Uh, sorry. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Shade. I'm going to repeat what I say later because I can't not say it when I talk about this game. But you say it later. It is one of the best video games ever made. Mm. It is so beautiful, so well told, um, so well animated, acted. The story is compelling. It it, it moves you along. I wish. I mean, I I do and I don't because when I watched it at E3, I was like. Put this game in me. Um, what they showed at E3 last year when, when I played that. Oh, my God. Just pure elation. Um, I have the whole thing on, on my Twitch and on the YouTube. And I, it, in the moments, I get frustrated with things. But I'm also like, in, in the I think it was 16 hours to beat the game. In my span of playing it, I must have like 15 minutes, which is a long time to think about it, like going like, Walk in mud, walk in sand, walk in mud, walk in sand, walk on brick, walk on brick in room, walk on brick in big room, big room, little room, little room, big room, big room, little room. There are vines over there. And like the, the varied environments in this game are insane. Like my head is always Doesn't like, sound like you're selling your Twitch channel very well, though. It's, it's, well, it's uh, entertaining, though, because I'm like, big shoe, little shoe. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm set on the vines, though. It's, it's Show me the, where those vines are at, and I'm there. Everywhere, and they're different, and they're beautiful. And I think she's talking about the six-second video vines, and you're talking about actual video games. Oh, uh, I was going to say, those would make some really good vines. If you just talk about <laughs> big rooms and little rooms. You need to make vote for it, man. vines of vines. That's yeah, baby-looking babies. Uh, so meta. It's not like a lot of games and, you know, even like classic games like Mario, it's like the lava level or in Splinter Cell, it's like this is the IT room level, right? In, in Uncharted 4, you're in like, um, I'll just make things up, but it's like warehouse, uh, space, underwater, forest, like it's not real examples, but like the very environments within one level it's insane. I love this game so much, and I appreciate everyone that worked on it getting divorces because there is no way family stayed together <laughs> for the work that went into making this game. It, I have problems with it. They're spoilery, so I won't mention them here. You can listen to the end. 
Um, it is my second favorite Uncharted. I think I've landed on Uncharted 2 being my favorite. But mm. what what a masterpiece. Uh, if I could go back in time, I would play it on easy. I would recommend playing it on easy. I played on normal. Uh, unlock all the things? I don't care about unlocks per se. That's, mm. not, that's not what I'm playing for. Okay. Um, on, on replays, I would say my first playthrough, I would play on easy. Um, but And then play it again. Oh, I'm, yes. What a, <laughs> what a game. What a game. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good, y'all. Um, we talk a lot about it later on in the, in, at the end of the show, after the end of the show. So if you've, if you've completed Uncharted 4, stick around for that discussion because it's fun. We get deep into story stuff and little nits that we pick. But uh, overall, uh, you know, greater than the sum of its parts, it's, uh, it's the first video game. Well, not the first, but one of the only video games where, you know, you, you talk as much about the, the narrative as you do about the mechanics and because the narrative can hold up to any other kind of medium. It's as quality a narrative as you find in any other medium. And, and that's very rare in video games. And I hope will be less so moving forward, but uh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, I want to finish the uh, playlist segment by talking about something that some of you should have told me about. Why was no, why is no one, none of our listeners shouted from the mountaintops over the weeks that I've talked about VR and I've talked about what I wanted out of VR, and I talked about all the games that come close to delivering on the promise of VR. Why did no one email me or tweet me or tell me about Vanishing Realms? Guys, this is it. This is it. This, to me, is the greatest Vive game that you can play right now. Um, you know, close second would be uh, called the Starseed. Those two, and then maybe Budget Cuts Demo, are like the three that really show what we're going to be doing in the next few years. Vanishing Realms is the game that I've been hoping for. It's The Legend of Zelda in VR, hmm. quite literally. And you do, excuse me, oh my goodness, that was disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was sick. brilliant. Uh, you do all of the things that you do, you know, you remember when Skyward Sword came out for Wii or Twilight Princess or whatever the first Wii one where it's like, hey man, if you swing the sword with your Wiimote, Link actually swings the sword. How cool is that? We were all like, yeah, dude, when I was six, I wanted to be able to swing the sword and actually swing the sword and that was awesome. Well, and then we played the Wii version and we're like, well, kind of, it kind of does that? Not really? Well, guess what? Vanishing Realms is that game. It's the game where you acquire, you acquire a sword, you acquire a shield, you use them, you hold them up, you swing the sword, and it's, you're doing it in first person. You're actually doing all of it. When you, uh, an, an enemy will shoot an arrow at you, and you hold up your shield, and that arrow sticks into the shield. And then you can look at it and go, oh my god, there's an arrow stuck in my shield because I physically blocked it with my real arm when the arrow was whizzing by my head. You get a, a magic wand that shoots fire out of it and spends mana, but you actually hold it in your hand and you actually point it and you have a, you get a bow and arrow and you're shooting enemies and I'm hiding behind a real pillar of rock and leaning out and shooting an enemy that's wandering around and holding up its shield to defend itself in a fantasy world that looks cartoony and like Zelda and there's trees and shrubbery and rocks and I find out like... Shrubbery? I know, Shrubbery! And there's, 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 uh, like a, a tree stump that I can walk up to or teleport myself up to. Cause you teleport around in this game, like most VR games. 
come up to a tree stump, look inside it by actually leaning over and peering down into it. And oh my gosh, there's a hidden item in there. And I reach into it with my actual hand reaching into it. And I grab that real thing. And what do I do with that real thing? I pick it up with my real hand and I look down at my belt. And what's down on my belt? Oh, uh, a couple of satchels. And what do I do? I take that physical thing that I pulled out of that actual tree stump that was actually in front of me. And I put it physically into my satchel that's on my hip someone needs to make a, this game but you're also holding like windex and pledge and so you're also <laughs> oh, cleaning yeah. my house you know what i mean <laughs> like you're playing the this controllers are ab- actually cleaning the house in real life as yeah. well yeah, yeah you're having the and best you adventure but you clean up everything <laughs> guys i'm telling you this delivers it it is it's beautiful the character the enemies that you fight are like skeletons and and demons and stuff, but they're all sort of cartoony like a Zelda game. It feels like a Zelda game. You're you're f- figuring out puzzles. Like the first time I shot my arrow through a rope to let down a bridge, I felt like a genius because I actually figured it out and thought it through and did it. You find keys that you will physically use to physically unlock chests. It it's it is crazy because this game was made by one person, by the way, and it is completely the promise of vr it it is exactly what i've always dreamed of guys you're inside legend of zelda you're actually doing all of it and it's wonderful i'm so anybody that has a vibe you need to try this game (laughs) your hype right now is selling it so hard (laughs) it is it is so much joy from my heart that i was for weeks I've, i've had the vibe for like three weeks now and weeks I've been coming on here talking about, well, the closest game to this, I talked about, um, I can't remember that dungeon game that I was talking about, so, Crystal Rift. I was like, oh, you're down in a dungeon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till there's actually like a, a cool role-playing game. And nobody told me there's one already out waiting for me. <laughs> anyway, um, so I know that I may be uh, over the top here, but that's how I feel. It, I no, defy this any- is awesome. This is, what, this is what people want, dude. Oh, Christian, Genuine you have to come back excitement. over. Because this game was waiting for us the whole time, and, and you came over and you played Vibe, but we, I didn't know this game existed at that time. You have to re, revisit and try. It's, it's joy. It's pure joy. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, you, uh, no, after that, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want that kind of feeling. Ugh, in your gross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vanishing Realms is what that's called. It's, it's a small game. It's going to be an um, episodic release, as a lot of these games are that were sort of at the release of VR because they're just trying to get something out right now. Um, but this is made by one guy. And I'm, I, if anybody out there knows this guy whose name I don't have in front of me right now, Kelly something, uh, Kelly Bailey, I think his name is. Uh, if you can, I want to interview him for the show. So if anybody knows how I can reach him. He's sleeping. Um, he just made this entire game. Yeah. <laughs> I will talk to He's him. He's in because cryostasis right now, dude. <laughs> the thing that's so great about VR is that just inventory systems are feel like magic. Like looking down at my belt and seeing a readout of my gold and mana and being able to select which weapon is on my belt and then pick it. You know, I like I got a second weapon. I got a, a hammer at one point, and uh, I can choose between a hammer and a sword, and I can decide which hand my sword is in or my shield is in or whatever. Or and I, and I pull out my you know two handed weapons like my bow and arrow, and it's like just the joy of looking down at your belt and then picking the right thing. It it feels amazing because I've never enjoyed inventory, and especially in even in um. Uh, call the star seed, like reaching behind my back and pulling a backpack out and sorting through the backpack in front of me. 
just joy, just pure joy. All right, guys, I'm, I know I've talked too long about this. Uh, let's carve out a little tabletop time, shall we? Uh, all right, uh, tabletop time. Uh, first, before we do that, we got to thank our other sponsor. I almost forgot. Our other sponsor, Linode. Uh, they are a relatively new sponsor, but Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all. Uh, lightning quick servers in the, in the cloud, a super-fast 40 GPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step -step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% .9 uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And it starts at only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust Linode, and that includes 5x5. 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. Getting started is easy. Just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Visit linode.com slash 5x5 today. Support the show and use promo code 5x5 for a $10 credit. That's linode.com slash 5x5. Simple, powerful, reliable Linode. All right, now let's get to tabletop time. Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Allie, you wanted to mention uh, a game that sort of reminds you of playing a board game. What was that? Oh, okay. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have heard about it yet. Uh, there's an indie game, a little indie game called uh, Eon Altar. You can get it on Steam. Uh, I think it's like $4.99. Uh, it's really cool. I've played Dungeons and Dragons with friends before, um, but very rarely do I see an opportunity where I have that couch co-op play mm -hmm. on a screen in front of me, but I'm actually working together with my team in real life. Um, and as I said earlier, like I really love the idea of being able to bond with my friends uh, and and. For me, it's not just over Xbox Live. Like, we haven't had that in a while. It's not like back in the day when we had 007, GoldenEye, when you had those LAN parties and you were, like, working together with your friends or working against them. Um, so this game, uh, it utilizes either a single monitor, or TV, whatnot. Um, and instead of having your friends bring anything over, it's like, oh, cool, you can use your mobile device. So it works with Android. It works with iOS, but that's your actual controller for your character. It's turn-based. You basically flesh out a story together with your party members. Mm. Um, there's like a campaign, uh, turn-based with enemies, and basically you could be sneaky as hell if you want to. You could, you could, you know, work against your friends. Um, you, you have like dialogue options that are given to you specifically on your mobile device. Um, that you can either keep to yourself together as you proceed along your personal story quest, or you can share with your party members. And so it's that still that it's like that kind of like reimagine your own gameplay kind of thing, like create your own adventure, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, you guys are working together, um, and, and that was kind of something that really stuck out to me. There's really there's nothing out there like it that utilizes mobile devices, um, and it's definitely worth taking a look at. Um, Sounds very cool. What's the name of it again? Eon Altar. E-O-N-A-L-T-A-R. 
Um, I think they have a 4.5 steam rating and they're only in like, like alpha right now. I mean, it's cool. crazy. It's like, it's like five bucks and like you and three other of your friends can play. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I just like out. it cause it's, it's, it's an excuse for me to play games, but also be vocal with my friends in real life, which is something <laughs> that I'm working on as a person yeah. and a human being. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, yeah, if, if you guys like, I mean, I've played Dungeons and Dragons, but for me, I like having something in front of me that's tangible that I can look at. Um, I mean, aside from characters and, and, and pieces, um, unless I customize the hell out of that. Um, but yeah, right. I, I, I really, it really stood out to me and it's, it's totally worth a look-see. Awesome. Neon Altar. Yes. Um, Christian, you and I got together and, uh, sat down with, Zav D'Amatos and friends to play uh, his copy of Star Wars Imperial Assault this week, which I've been dying to play. We didn't get into the um, the campaigns very deeply because uh, this game has a long, deep campaign. It's sort of like Descent uh, or a, a you know a game that you know Ali was referencing. It, it, it feels more like a deep, long game of Dungeons and Dragons. It's mm. it it's customized. Um, story-based missions that are built to tell an ongoing tale that you start and continue through with the same characters over time. Uh, but all set in the Star Wars universe. Ooh. And uh, we only really played the first one that sort of introduced the mechanics uh, of the game. But what did you think of your first taste of Star Wars Imperial Assault? I thought it was great. I thought our first playthrough, uh, we were very fortunate, I think, with how it worked out, where we were rebels, and Zav was playing the side of the evil empire. And like we, we, from a story, you know, I think that's what makes this type of board game off often fun is the story that you create as you're, as you're playing it. Yes. And we were ambitious and eager to like run and attack. And I think they had what he had five guys. I forget the exact breakdown of how many um, stormtroopers and stuff he had on his side. And it was like, we're, I'm planning my role. I was playing as like this um, female smuggler character that could quick and roll in and blast and evade and had an extra perk to, you know, roll out after she went in and attacked. And I'm like going, I'm trying to raid and Rob who was playing with this was going to flank. And then it was like, Oh wait, all he needs to do is come over here and get this box that we've clearly all totally abandoned. <laughs> yeah. And we were like killing his stormtroopers. And then he's like one guy that's like back in the base getting these boxes and we, you defeated his last uh, stormtrooper on your last attack roll. That if you didn't land, we would have lost. And so, like, that's what makes this game fun. And and the the minifigs uh, are incredible, super detailed. <laughs> we didn't construct it, but there's it's like in its own bag. Was it a ATST or was it a full add? No, yeah, it was an ATST. And yeah, I mean the the design quality is absolutely insane. I mean this is a very expensive game. It's, yes. it's not cheap for all that quality, but boy, oh boy, is there there's tons of them. And be, it's because the the campaign is so epic in scope. Like there are, it takes you to different planets, and it, it there's a big long ongoing tale that's told over over multiple plays. Uh, and you get to see all these cool things, and there's minifigs for all the cool things that you encounter. And a modular board, so it's not like, here's the board we're playing on. It, there, There is a board on, like, uh, what is it, Star Wars X-Wing? or Right, uh, Miniatures Game. Miniatures yeah. Game. Um, it's it's really, it was, it was really cool. I don't know if I'd have time to do a full campaign, but if someone has the dedicated gaming table, <laughs> I'd be willing to try. I just couldn't set it up and take it down. 
Yeah, there's a lot of setup, uh, and it's, there's a lot of fiddly bits. There's a, a lot of little rules and stuff to learn, but uh, it certainly rewards that because you know you're you're embarking on this grand journey. I think the only downside of, of this game, you know, a lot of people don't play Dungeons and Dragons because they need a DM. You know, they need a, a person to be the dungeon master, and yeah. that's the kind of the hardest role to fill. You know, and in this game, it it doesn't need a dungeon master, and that's the the one of the great features of, of a board game version is that you don't need a dungeon master. What it does require though, is somebody to play the bad guy. And generally Ooh. you're, you're down Allie. You're ready to, play the bad guy. <laughs> you're ready to be a Imperials. I'll be here petting the kitties and laughing. the <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's cool in, in a sense because it, you know, it's fun to play as Darth Vader and to command the Imperial forces. It's cool to have armies of stormtroopers attack, but it tends to be the case that if you have multiple people playing, a bunch of people are the good guys and one person is the bad guy. That's sort of how the game is designed, is that one person plays all of the bad guys. And I don't know how much fun that would be over time. I mean, I guess if you have the right personality, the you right... You probably have to switch off over time. Yeah. I think you're right, Built actually. It up. Yeah. Because that's, that's a role that no one wants to play over and over again. There's just a certain amount of guilt that's going to go along with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's I think like that the that's... Brian of every situation. No one's going to hang out with that kid. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that would be the only challenge. And um, you know, it's certainly if you're down for that, you got a friend that's into that. You know, wanting to do, do that, or or you do what what Ali suggested and you rotate. Um, there's a lot of fun to be had. There's a ton in that box, very expensive box, but there's a ton in there, and it certainly uh, is Star Wars to its very core. I mean, we're not you're not playing. Uh, there are the the heroes from the movies in the game that you know Luke and Han and stuff appear, but you're playing as other characters that you get to create, that you get to flesh out, that you get to level up and stuff. Um, and and you encounter all the things you'd want to encounter. You know, you get are to do you all guys the- are you guys like big into the Star Wars universe? Did you feel that it was something that you could you know jump into kind of easily, knowing the universe, or was it oh something- sure yeah yeah I mean it's it's dense. It's got like really. Um, deep Star Wars concepts in it. Like, you know, I was playing as a Wookiee and he has all these, you know, very deep Wookiee things that aren't, you know, aren't explicit in the movies that you yeah. sort of have to know a little deeper Star Wars knowledge to, to get. But, but it's, it's almost like there. you're learning through it and, and it, there's something, a new element to the universe that you're kind of sure. getting out of it. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Would you agree, Christian? Yeah, I don't think you need to know that mm. stuff but if you do it adds a richness to it where you know it makes it fun it rewards people that are into the lore but i think if you are i think if you aren't a fan of star wars at all i think the game could be compelling enough but it's definitely made for people that at least have some affinity for the franchise a yeah. couple of couple of comments in the in the chat here uh remily says he's fine he always plays the imperial side he's cool with that uh which makes me question his <laughs> his allegiance to the light side or the dark side. Um, and then arrow dash 84 says, uh, asks if the figures are painted. They are not, they are not painted figures. Uh, they are the you gray. Could, you could totally paint them yourself though. Get you totally could. If you had more skill than I shop. do. I don't have that skill. Dude, I did that with Skylanders. Best decision of my life. Hmm. Really? The Skylanders aren't painted. No, I mean, I, I repainted them white and then customized them. Whoa. That's hardcore. <laughs> Yeah, it I you get more into it that way. You gotta. It's like the whole idea of having character customization in any RPG. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, character play. customization that requires actual artistic talent. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. You don't have to. 
it's it's just a lot of time is what it comes down to. And, you know, I, I've, I've been known to have a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've definitely admired. I mean, I have friends that play Warhammer and the amount of yeah. time and energy they put into painting their figs. Like what comes of it is so awesome, but I just feel like I, it's beyond my capabilities. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a certain amount of personal, you, there's, there's something about having a, a customized character that you made <laughs> yourself that you imagine yourself. You almost latch on to that character in that sense while you're going through the process of painting it. And so oh, I think, sure. yeah, I think that's the reason why a lot of people, it's the same way that you sit in the character creation screen on fallout or, or make an ugly character and like mass effect as ugly as you possibly can, because you know that the story is going to be that much more rewarding seeing that idiot. You know? <laughs> Allie, yeah. that character is how I look. So I don't, uh... <laughs> I made him to look like me. I don't understand. <laughs> what you're talking about ugly character. <laughs> I guess if you invest, you know, investment in, you know, it leads to a feeling of investment. I feel like that's probably very true. Especially if you're looking for that escapism in an Eastern yeah. part. Gee, that's where that, that reward really comes. Totally. Uh, hey, I want to read an email that was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Erica Turner. Erica writes, hey, Jeff and Christian, you guys are awesome. Uh, DLC is the highlight hey, of my yeah. Tuesday morning commute. Uh, I wanted to share a tabletop experience I had recently to get your thoughts on IP-based board games. At our recent weekly game night, my friend was excited for us to try a game he had purchased based on the History Channel Vikings series, uh, creatively titled Vikings, the board game. <laughs> As someone who has never seen the show, I was reluctant, but not wanting to rain on my friend's parade, I agreed to play. After a crazy amount of setup and instructions, our long ships were at the ready, we picked our quests and heroes, and set off to explore a map made of hexagonal land and sea tiles. And I loved it. It caught me off guard how much I got into the strategy of the game and how little it mattered that I hadn't watched the show. Despite losing, epically, I found it to be a thoroughly enjoyable experience. So now my question is, what other IP-based games have I been ignoring that have solid enough mechanics and strategy to win over someone who isn't already a fan? Thank you for your time, Erica. Well, Erica... It's a great email. It's a great email, indeed. Uh, and we... Definitely, uh, you know, the board game space is like the video game space in that, uh, I, you know, IP games have had a bad reputation for a long time um, because often they are poorly made cash-ins. But <laughs> <Movie> games. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But there are some notable exceptions. I would say my favorite notable exception in the board game space is a game called Battlestar Galactica, which at this point is a, a bit of a, an older IP reference because people don't really talk about that TV show much anymore, but used to be one of the big geek TV shows that was on. And the board game is awesome that's based on it. Um, it is an epic, long, intense game uh, that takes place on the Battlestar Galactica and it has all the characters from the TV show. And one of your players that is likely to be a Cylon, which in the context of the show's lore means they're a traitor. So it's got this cool traitor mechanic and you're trying to complete quests and do things to, you know, power your ship and fight battles and complete quests. And in the meanwhile, there might be one of the players at your table who is actively trying to sabotage all that. So, so you there's have to try a rat to... and you got to figure out rat. who it is. <laughs> you got to figure <laughs> it out. It. That's yeah. awesome. It's super cool. 
Uh, and the really rat well is usually really pretty too, and you, and you wouldn't expect it because <laughs> why would that? No, that, that would never happen. Can the rat get pregnant? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I mean let's find out. Let's play like the it game. Be able to. I know what I'm doing later. Whoa! <laughs> that took a turn. Uh, uh, so anyway, so that's a great IP-based board game. Uh, another one is the Firefly board game. I haven't actually played that one personally, but I've heard very good things about the board game based on the Firefly TV show. Uh, again, an older TV show, but um, that one is supposed to be very good. And there's also um, another – I should have looked it up. <clears throat> there's another like um, Sandals and Swords TV show that's supposed to have a good board game. I don't think it's Vikings. I think it's another one. Do you guys know of any other like gladiator-type TV shows on right now? I mean, n- no. For me, it's um... – I think like Marvel Dice Masters. Oh yeah, for um, sure. DC has one too, right? Like uh, the brand awareness is cool because you have those characters, but I think they're great. I mean, it, it was a great game before it added the brand. Um, and, and we just talked about a Star Wars game. There's a bunch of great Star Wars board games if you consider that IP. Um, you know, and um, Arrow Dash eighty four in the chat says brought up the Ghostbusters board game. I talked about that on the show a while back. It's pretty interesting and good. Um, so there are, there are quite a few, there are quite a few. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also there's a, you know, that game love letter that I've talked about a bunch of times on the show. There's like a bunch of branded versions of love letter. There's a Batman love letter and a <laughs> Hobbit love letter, which <laughs> yeah. is kind of funny. The idea that's like Batman sending love letters to his villains. It's very <laughs> so, <funny. clears throat> so there you go. I hope that helps. Uh, I'm really glad that you're trying games that you wouldn't necessarily try. So that's always a positive. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have a parting gift coming up. And as I said, bonus content, which is our spoilerific discussion of Uncharted 4. So lots more content in this episode. But I do want to wrap things up. Allie Baker, thank you so much for being here. You're awesome. Uh, hey, thanks for having me, guys. I, as I said earlier, I don't make a lot of great decisions, but this was this was a really good one. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> I you really nailed it today. I did. <laughs> you did. You did a great job today. And <laughs> I, I would love for people to know where they can find uh, other things that you create on the internet. Oh yeah, uh, Twitter.com slash Allie Bakes, uh, Twitch TV slash Allie Cakes, and YouTube.com slash Allie's Got Game. Very very cool. Lots of fun Those content the there. Things. She's going to be playing lots of Overwatch and Battleborn and cool stuff. So oh, hang out with Allie. And, and Doom. Because yeah. I, can, I can finally play it. <laughs> Got that thing installed. And you, you said you have an epic like four monitor setup now? Yeah. I'm use, I have an Asus laptop. It's uh, the Republic of Gaming laptop. It's amazing. Um, and my, my PC just crapped out on me. So I'm going to have to get a solid state drive sometime in the next few weeks. But... Turns out I can uh, play Xbox and run Doom at the same time from my laptop on four monitors, so why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? Yeah, why Uh, not both? Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City doing shows there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, Thursday, Comedy and Other Opinions. Friday, ooh, I just saw the name of the show. It's uh, actually in Ogden, uh, Utah, I believe. If I'm saying that name of that city right, I'm sorry if I'm not saying it right. City that uh, is that other city. Ogden then- sounds like a really sweet like troll or like warrior yeah. <laughs> from, like, I'll, I'll take that <laughs> uh, that sounds like a great place to do stand-up it is called stand-up comedy at the comedy loft and it is in ogden utah it's friday well how and, will people know what it consists of because there's an exclamation point 
Oh, there's, okay, there's good. There's going to be dwarfs in August. <laughs> count on it. With and. really sweet red beards, long ones, and they're braided. Well, yeah, just, I mean. Just just think about it. If you don't just, braid it, you just get brew in it. You know what I mean? Yep. You don't want mead, mead beard. <laughs> nope. uh, and then Saturday, I'm in Salt Lake City headlining uh, Sandy Station. And you can find that at their website. And uh, Twitter's the easiest way to get in touch with me, at Spicer. I've been streaming a lot, uh, Uncharted. And replays of Uncharted 1, 2, and Part of 3 are all at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. My first hour with Doom. I will be bad at Overwatch uh, <laughs> when that launches. Come play with me, dude. I need more people. Yeah, let's I, do uh, it. I've been maining as uh, Mercy, and I've been working on Widowmaker. She's more of like a, a sniper, but... I got them heels with Mercy, though. If you need heels, I got you. I'm yeah, just saying. I'm, I am I am debating who to play as. I want to find someone that isn't just support because I like getting in the muck, but I'm not precise enough to be a sniper. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I am very excited for that game to be coming out. And then I have a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. You can find it at departmentofparenting.com. And uh, uh, very official. That's good. That's good, Jeff. Uh, oh, 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 oh! I think I just got final versions of them, Jeff. We worked on something together, and um, it will be coming out soon. I don't. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. I got the email literally as we're doing this show. But Twitter is the best way to see, and then my website, christianspicer.com. But you had something awesome already. I don't know when you're going to mention Secret it. Secret hype. But I need to mention it because you haven't mentioned it yet. You did something right. awesome. Do it. Mention it. Go for it. Uh, flip the table. What is it table called? flip, rage yeah. quit, table flip. Rage yeah. quit, table flip with Allison <laughs> Highslip. Highslip, Haslip. Hayslip. Um, A short, I guess, produced by Luke Crate. Or it, but this is. You're doing a great job so far, Christian. Well, I don't care about the. <laughs> hashtag nailed it. Hashtag I don't care blessed. about the, you know, advertising of the entertainment. I care about the entertainment. And this is Jeff Kanata, if you're looking at the Twitch background graphic. Um, this is the Jeff Kanata we all want to see. This is the Jeff Kanata you picture when he describes games that he loves. Ready. This, this is Just... Jeff Kanata doing every form of awesome geekdom, badass fighting. You get martial arts. You get Gandalf. You get uh, Dragon Ball Z. You get – I don't want to spoil the end, but this is this is Jeff Kanata being both lovable and in 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 endearing in the dialogue and then as soon as that switches off it's go time mm-hmm. and um i didn't know you were that flexible i know you have a stunt double for some of it but some of it's definitely you throwing some high kicks <laughs> thanks bro yeah, yeah no, I I say, dare i say that you are an actual carnage machine sir oh <laughs> I, ho- I hope i hope it's like a symphony of murder is what i hope it, it is I, I mean it was um thank you guys those fight I, sequences were cool though they were so I much was fun i was hooked really cool you guys yeah. are the, the best for saying so i it was so much it was kind of a dream come true as you said it's like this mashup of, of every geek thing all in once all at once you know laser pistols and swords and all kind of magic and all kinds of crazy stuff oh my and god it, the dog though that dog <laughs> that dog won i'm sorry like you guys both fought it out to the death i won't spoil anything but hey if you like dogs just that's a good reason on its own to watch this, you know? Yeah. That dog. Yeah. Headline is uh, Jeff Kanata appears in dog video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say the name of it again since I don't It's know. called uh, Rage Quit Table Flip. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, if you go to Loot Crate's YouTube page, so if you just go to YouTube and search for Loot Crate, it's the top video. Um, it's uh, it, it was so much fun to do. I hope you guys give it a, check it out and give it a 
give it a look. It's it's only six dog. minutes, but it's super fun, and there's a dog in it, so maybe <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed some joy. Also, hey. Allison is great too. I'm not as good of friends with her. I don't want to say like, oh, and you're amazing, and like Allison is incredible in this as well. The whole the whole thing is great. Yeah, no, I agree. She was awesome to work with, and she's a friend, and she's been on the show, and she's fantastic. So, um, yes. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, other things you can see of mine, um, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. And then I have other shows. I have a comedy show called We Have Concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, I do the Slash Filmcast, uh, talking about movies and TV over at slashfilmcast.com. And I talk about tech every day on CNET at tomorrowdaily.com. Ooh. So that's me, busy guy. And Christian's the thing we did with Christian is really funny and fun. Christian wrote some shorts and you're going to see those very soon. And I'm very proud of, to have been asked to be in them because they're real fun and real funny. And I think you guys are going to like those. So keep an eye out on uh, both of our Twitter feeds for announcements about that. All right, guys, all of that being said, uh, let's move on to the parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. All right, Allie, do you have a, a recommendation for people to get them through their week that might not be a video game? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, dang. Uh, can, can, you come, can you come back to me? Can you, can I'll you come, come back, back to you. To real quick? Just real sure. quick. Uh, Christian, you want to start? I waited because the first issue was incredible, but let's see where this goes. I don't think I've talked about it on this show. I'm pretty sure I waited. Black Panther, that new comic. Mm, I could make. Fingers kissing noises like mwah, 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 for the next 20 minutes. Um, issue one is incredible. Issue two, you're like, well, issue one was great, but like issue two, and you're like, issue two is incredible. <laughs> um, I don't believe issue three is out yet. I think it's early next month. If you like comics and if maybe you saw a new Marvel movie that is in theaters and you liked a character in that, Civil, uh, <laughs> go buy Civil War. Um, <laughs> Black Panther, the comic book, is incredible. It's incredible. Did you mention it already, Jeff? I don't know. It's great. I didn't. No, it's, it is very, very good. Um, speaking of comic books, I will take my parting gift time to tell you about Darwin Cook. If you haven't heard of Darwin Cook, sadly, uh, he passed away uh, just yesterday, I believe, or the day before. Uh, Darwin Cook was an amazing, an amazing artist and writer in the comic book space. He started on Batman, the animated series, and ended up uh, doing a lot of work for DC Um reinvented some characters, redesigned Catwoman. The Catwoman that you see in the Batman video games, the way she looks, that's Darwin Cook's design. Uh, he he made a, a book called The New Frontier, DC's New Frontier, which I could not recommend higher. Uh, he did a lot of other things, uh, a lot of other really, really cool comics, but if I could only recommend one, I would say check out New Frontier, especially if you're one of those people like me that thought the DC Cinematic Universe didn't have enough joy and color in it. Uh, I think if, if only New Frontier had been the blueprint they used to bring those movies to life, I think we would have all been so much happier <clears throat> because they are so incredibly good. His art is clean and, and minimal and beautiful and his characters smile and have joy and love using their superpowers. Uh, and the layouts are absolutely amazing. It's really sad to lose him so soon. He was in his 50s very young and he died from cancer and it's so sad. So check out Darwin Cook's new frontier and maybe get hooked on his other work as well. Uh, it's a, it's a very sad time, but, um, a a great opportunity to discover or rediscover his work. Awesome. Well, speaking of rediscovering, uh, (laughs) 
there's a band called Power Glove uh, that did an awesome soundtrack for Far <coughs> Cry Blood Dragon that I just recently rediscovered. Um, and I would highly recommend that as well as I, I like recommending music. Uh, yeah. Lifelike. Uh, they have kind of a, an electronic feel too. Super relaxing, super chill. Really good video game music soundtrack in the background if you're playing something and you just want to chill out. Uh, and then also on the subject of cats, I saw Keanu this week oh, and, with awesome. Keen Peel, and it was actually really good. Not even just if you like cats, but if you like good comedy and good comedic timing and you want to have a good laugh. So uh, yeah, gotta gotta throw the cat the cat hashtags awesome. all over so the internet. Keanu, and then what were the names of the two bands again? Uh, Power Glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the Far Cry Three Blood Dragon soundtrack. Very eighties, very awesome. And then life like kind of that same vibe, um, but also just really chill music. If you want to hang out, play something, relax, definitely recommended. Fantastic. I love when people recommend music. Um, all right, that's it for this episode of DLC. Stick around for our spoiler discussion of Uncharted 4 coming right up. Uh, but thanks to Ali Baker and Christian Spicer. Thanks to all the people in the chat room who contributed and participated in the discussion today. We really appreciate that. Thanks to Patrick L. and Sean Madigan and Zero Star for contributing our bumpers and all that original music that's so cool. Uh, We really appreciate you listening to the show. Please tell your friends about it. That really helps us out. Uh, We'll be back next Monday. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. All right, you made it through the actual episode. But like there's a challenge I, or something. Yeah, you did it. And you're still here because you have played Uncharted 4. This is going to be all spoiled up and ready to go. Uh, Jeff and Christian both finished Uncharted 4. If you don't want to get spoiled, stop listening now because we are no spoils barred from here on out. Yeah, you're going to be like the milk that you open and you take a whiff and you're just like, oh, it's like it's yeah. too late. Turned, right? That's Turned. What you mean. Turned. Yes. Um, so you have been warned. You have been warned. We're going to talk about the single player campaign for Uncharted 4. Christian, you just finished. Oh, we're not I, spoiling the multiplayer? Uh, the, no, spoiler for multiplayer. <laughs> I, I will be at the lowest part of the listings. Great. Okay, great. Yeah. I will be at the bottom of the leaderboard. Um. So uh, st- uh, tell me, I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little in the, in the show generally, but now we can talk specifics. Yes. So why don't you hit me with your Christian Spicer style Uncharted 4 rant? Well, I will reiterate uh, what I said in the show and that it is one of the greatest video games ever made. And that's mostly due to story, right? It, it's, and it's... you can't really say that about very many video games, that what makes it great is the tale it's telling. Well, and how it's told. I mean, the, the, the story, of course, you know, Nate's redemption or the void with his brother, but I cannot believe 
that Naughty Dog made this game on the PlayStation 4, which apparently is just a garbage graphics card. You know what I mean? Like we <laughs> yeah. talked about before how the Titan X is a piece of crap. It's like, you know, this is the most beautiful game I've ever seen in my life. There is no load time anywhere. In, I mean, if you die, yeah, it reloads, but quickly, very quickly. Yeah. Um, And the sound, like I... You know, people can see that I have the entire game on my Twitch and then over archived on my YouTube page as well. I must have spent like 30 seconds just listening to the footsteps change from mud <laughs> to sand to grass to stone to echo in a chamber, out of a chamber, in a chamber, out of a chamber, bigger room, smaller room, smaller room, bigger room. Yeah. Technically, it's it's incredible. Like just from that, like the 1994 style of review where it's like graphics, 10, sound, 10, um control so silky smooth the way nate you know sometimes you don't even need to jump for a ledge he just reaches to it and you know you can aim him that way and he doesn't need to jump he doesn't jump um astounding like i listened to you and anthony's last week after i beat it and you know i could echo almost all of those sentiments well fair uh transparency to the audience boy my brain's not working because i'm a little sick um but uh, we're recording this out of order, so we're recording this before we recorded the rest of the show. So I'm sure you're going to want to say these things in our sort of non-spoilery part of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's stick to spoilers here, okay? Because you brought up um, story, and I and you said it's sort of um, you know Nate Redemption's tale, and uh, I think it's a story about growing up. I think it's a story. And yet ab- you don't like Blink One Eighty Two because I grew up, Christian. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The best. Um, I think it's a story about Nathan Drake and, and probably, uh, you know, a little autobiographical about the the, the writers, about the, the, the game designers themselves sort of feeling like they need to grow up and, and move beyond this franchise. Uh, it feels like there's very much a, a clear metaphor with the wonderful Easter egg of Crash Bandicoot um, of an adult playing a video game and kind of like playing these kinds of games. You know, there's very much... That Crash Bandicoot thing that you play early on sitting in your apartment, you then do again. You literally do it as Drake running from stuff later in the game. You do the exact same thing, which is brilliant. But I think it's kind of – it's talking about putting away childish things and and growing up and accepting responsibility for your life and realizing that you need to – you know, calm down and not do the things you did when you were a kid. I don't think it's directly talking about video games per se because I think – you know, there's definitely a an argument to be made that the game is saying that games can be adult and and be mature and be interesting. But there's certainly something to be said about you know, as as a person who recently got married and is having his first child, I, I certainly related to those themes of you know getting older and and accepting more responsibility. So I'm of I'm of two minds with this because well, one. I think it's a testament to the story, whether intentionally or not, that we can sit here and have a lengthy conversation and debate about what the authors are saying, you know, and I think sometimes great fiction is that way, too. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, Catcher in the Rye, when Holden changes his hat from forward to backwards or whatever, that is, I do believe that was an intentional choice by the author to represent differences in his opinion in his uh attitude and writing and how you perceive the character and so i think that some of this is intentional too but also sometimes great art happens unintentionally and you're able to perceive it and interpret it as the viewer or the consumer of the art and so i i don't know how intentional some of the stuff 
with the story that I struggle with was, I mean, you talk about, it's about growing up for Nate. I, d- I don't know if he comes across as grown up because, you know, he gets lured to this adventure by Sam, his brother, who lies to him about why he's needed. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that Sam lied to him and, and Nate doesn't pull out. He doesn't hit the eject button. He doesn't grab Sam well, right then. he hasn't then. learned that lesson yet. I mean, it's a lesson that he learns over the course of the game and doesn't get to until the end. So you're telling me like after he kills Rafe, he learns that? No, I think the moment he learns it is the moment in the game where they're like, okay, we're going home. I'm making a decision right now. We're not going to find the treasure. We're going home. We're walking toward the plane. And then it takes his brother, you know, that whole situation of like um, getting stranded on the other side of the chasm mm-hmm. uh, and him going, because you're, I, I thought that was a really beautiful moment in the game where, <clears throat> you know, he's like, I want to go, I, you know, we, we've come this far. We got to see it. We got to see it. We've been wanting to do this his whole life. What do you think, Nate? And Nate goes, no, I'm, I have learned a lesson. My wife is more important to me. My family is more important to me. This is frivolous. We're going home. We're safe. We came to get you. We got you. We didn't come here to get the treasure. We came to get you. And we succeeded. And so we're going home. People are more important than adventure. And I thought it was really cool that he actually convinces his brother. He's like, okay. And we start going. And I was like, okay, when's the point where he's going to double cross us? When's the point where he's going to, you know, you know, run? But right. it, it isn't – he doesn't make that decision until circumstances give him an opportunity to do it, which I thought was even more beautiful. It's like he was really going to go back with us. We was really going to be done except the fact that that you know, crazy contraption broke and he gets stranded on the other side with no way to get across. And then he's like, no, now I'm – now I you – know, fate is telling me I have to do this. And so it's that point at which Nate is like, OK, well, now I have to save my brother. Um. We can both agree, I think you, you had mentioned this to me, and I totally felt it the same you know, when I was playing the game too, that it doesn't make any damn sense that he can't bring Sully and Elena with him because he has a friggin' rope on his belt. But yeah. I mean, that's so I think, again, a testament to the story they tell, like the division. I've talked about the division on this show a lot. I, I enjoy the game. The story is a mess, but I don't care that much because I'm not playing it for that. But when you're playing the game and the story is such a big part of why you're playing the game when you literally have this rope that you're swinging around and playing with all game and then the only gap you need to pull two people up is like the gap of standing on a box and also it's not that you don't have the upper body strength i realize in real life holding a rope while someone climbs up it would be pretty hard except for the fact that this game has established that someone can run and jump and i can catch them just standing yeah Yeah, (laughs) and pull them up instead of my arm getting completely ripped out of socket and I think it's an easy fix. I, I think that your rope could have broke when the contraption broke. I thought that's what happened, actually. I thought they were they, they were trying to lead me to believe that the rope was stuck on yeah. the thing. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to play the rest of the game without the rope. Which they could have done. You, well, I mean, you they could have done, again, or, or he could have. don't need to. He could have walked around the next bend and found a dude's rope and been like, oh, my <laughs> rope is back. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. It seemed like an oversight to me that that. And I talked to Anthony, too, uh, you know, who's on the last show, and he's like, sounds like you're nitpicking. And I don't think I am. I think that is a very valid critique and a in a big plot and story miss for a team that did so. I mean, like I was uh, texting with a friend, too, and he was like, man, you're just saying mean things. And I'm like, no, you, you hurt the ones you love like this. This franchise 
is currently my favorite franchise of all time. And like 99.99999% of this game and this franchise to me is perfect. So it's these these things that that they really rip me out of the moment. Whereas like, again, using the or Doom uh, as an example, it's like there's a research. I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm shooting stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? But like I'm well, I think so invested. What, what you're saying is, and I agree, is that's a compliment to the game because actually I can – I can't think I can name three other video games where I can story point matters. That well, they're much. all uncharted though. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I maybe so maybe it's all naughty dog games, but that's the point is we've gotten to the point where we can, we can deconstruct a narrative in the same way we would for a film or a TV show and mm-hmm. point out plot holes where video games have never concerned themselves with that and have never had, a, a level of quality of narrative that would hold up to that kind of scrutiny. Uh, so, so yeah, that's a compliment, but I do think it's an oversight. But also, I feel that that was a major, uh, you know, sidetrack that I let us down. But what we were really talking about was the fact that I think that moment Nate ha- demonstrates the fact that he has grown, and it's only circumstances that cause him to go and actually finish the adventure story. So, at what point do you just let like? So how? Because I feel like Sam doesn't really grow in this. Because at the end of the game, him and Sully are like, do you have any adventures? Are they dangerous? Let's do them. I mean... I think that's leaving it open for an Uncharted with him as the main character. Oh, God. I would not play... I, really? I Sam awesome. is a jerk. He's he's awful. But he, but he maybe is, we find a way to, to, to make him not awful. Or maybe that's what his story arc is about. It's Sully. Well, I, so, so finishing my first thought... Um, you know, because Nate goes back to save him and then be done. But like, if Sam gets in trouble again, is Nate gonna go save him again? Well, like, at what point? Didn't because <laughs> we know we also know that everybody's fine, <laughs> and they well, all live but happily. There could ever still after. be there could be one more. I'm too old for this. Sh, you know. Well, there also could be Nate's daughter as the lead character of it, which I think is kind of what they're headed for. Well, there could also be in between end of game and epilogue. Right. I mean, there's a there's a time gap. Oh, huge you know? time gap, and there's pictures all over that bungalow at the end right there's nothing to say that while they were doing legal adventures they also like sam didn't get in trouble and they got right. pulled away again yeah um so I, i'm curious about that as like as a character at nate at what point do you just let someone go and and be self-destructive i have um you know personally in my family people that have wrestled with addiction and it's been a, a point of contention for our family like at what point is someone unsavable you know, right. like how much can you do to help someone? And at what point is that person making their own choices in an adult? And again, I think it's interesting to talk about in this context. But for me, the Uncharted 2 is my favorite Uncharted story. And I think my favorite Uncharted game. And and part of that is nostalgia. I can, you know, never undo my joy of that game. Uh, it blew the doors off of Uncharted 1. And it just, you know, was such a beautiful thing when I played it. And to me... Three things kind of keep Uncharted 4 from taking that top spot, and a lot of them are are narrative. So one, and maybe it's a good thing, maybe this is like Vince Vaughn's character in Swingers, I'm supposed to hate him, but the fact that Sam lives and Rafe dies sucks. Because I think, and I'm curious if Naughty Dog has like a show Bible or a character Bible on Nate and Sam, I'm wondering, is this the first franchise where you are just playing as like a Donald Trump character. Like Nate is a psychopath. He's the bad guy. 
he's a villain. Sorry to make a political analogy for people that don't lean the same way I do, but he he's a he is a bad guy through and through and through in these games. And Rafe, aside from the fact that he hires an army that tries to kill Nate, Sam, and Sully and Elena, he tries to buy the cross legitimately. Goes and buys the cross. He buys the property around the the church to be able to take his time investigating it. He he he's doing everything right, and he wants to find this treasure to prove to himself that he's more than just his parents' fortune. And he maybe he breaks some like laws internationally with not getting permits to go investigate this island that no one's ever done a Google Earth flyover of apparently, because Elena can see the city from the sky. Um, yeah, he's a he's a good guy. Well, that Sam immediately until, until, immediately double crosses. Right, but but the only reason that he dies is because uh, he decides he needs to kill Nate and Sam at the end. Like, Which he, is, if he, there's if any he, killing in that game, that'd be the justified killing. Well, but but and the, at the end moment when you're in that ship, Nate and says. Take the treasure. We're good. Just let us go. I came here for my brother. You won. You have the treasure. You got what you wanted. And he says, no, I want to kill you. Well, after everything he's done, I think he's just going to kill Sam. And I don't I think that's what turns him into, uh, uh, narratively, it turns him into a villain worthy of demise, is he forces a violent resolution to the conflict. And and I, I'm with you up until that point. I mean, although he's clearly played as the as the big bad throughout, he doesn't really have much. He hasn't done much wrong, and he really doesn't have much presence in the game. I think it's a missed opportunity a bit. But um, I think they could have given him like let him screw over Sam first, or you know what I mean. Yeah. If you want to paint him as the villain, but Sam, you know he. Nate doesn't find out Sam's out of prison. Rafe is so obsessed with this treasure that he's the one that finds out. That this guy they long they both thought was dead is still alive. He recruits him, gives him a life, puts him back on the path of discovering this thing that has been his obsession for whatever, outfits him with money, helps him do it. Sam immediately screws him over, goes and lies to his brother and yeah. recruits him to do this thing, to screw over Rafe, to find this treasure that he's been obsessed about because he's been in prison for 15 years with nothing else to focus on apparently. Well, it's also he's obsessed about it because of his, their mother <clears throat> feeling that it was – their mother's obsession that they had to, you know, fulfill. Right. Yeah. I, but anyway, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think, no, know, I think, I think you make very solid points, but I do think he turns into the villain at the end because he forces them to, you know, he, he wants to kill them at the end. Which again, I think if there's a justified killing, that'd be the one, because how can you trust leaving Sam out in the world and he won't come try to steal it from you later? That, you know, killing is not the answer, right, right, in an ideal world. But, like, if anyone has justified in these games being murdered at that point, it's totally Sam. And no. I get it. It's Nate's brother, so he's not going to be like, go kill my brother. But at the same time, it's like... Well, I tell you, I, I was very surprised by that ending because, uh, you know, you hear the title, A Thief's End, and you hear, this is the last Nate Drake adventure. You think, oh, well, he's dead. There's no mm -hmm. way he survives this game. And then by the end, I go, oh, the thief's end is the brother. That's whose end is going to be the end. And then the fact that n neither of them die was very surprising to me. And so I kind of give the game credit just for that of like, oh, I was swerved. And, and, so, they, and, and I think they serve red herrings to do that early on with the game thematically where it's sure. like a just thief does this, an unjust, 
Just Thief dies, you know, whatever. And they right. keep reinforcing that theme throughout. And also all of the stuff, you know, the wonderful scene in the attic where you're sort of like reminiscing of all the past adventures and all of that feels like this dude's dying. This guy's yeah. going to die at some point. And, and I kind of give the game credit just because it was the most unexpected outcome. Sure. And the fact that you actually get I don't know of any video game <laughs> where you get closure on a character, complete closure on a character who is just okay. Like he's he's okay. He got through it. He has a life. It It's kind of unprecedented to me to feel like, oh my gosh, a happy ending for a character I've spent four games with and I feel like a sense of fulfillment and closure and uh, I, th- I thought that was really a neat achievement for them to to, to do. My pitch for True Detective Season 3 is Nate and Sam because <laughs> Nate's character is Vince Vaughn's character in True Detective Season 2 where no one that, though. <laughs> Nate is a bad guy who now won and has this wonderful life every single game. Nate screws over people that trust him and recruit him, and his first instinct is always to screw people over. And in this game, he does it too with his wife, his wife, and he justifies it later. He says, you know, he tries to justify it where he's like, well, I wanted I wanted to protect you. I wanted to. And Elena, the look and again, the, the animators on this game and the actors, the performance capture. Oh, yeah. creme de la creme Like you just see in her eye. And it's not Uncanny Valley eye. It's like you see in her expression. She's just like, don't don't give me that. This is me. Yeah. Don't don't do that. But I to think, me. again, that. He, that's the lesson he learns, I think. That's the, that's the well, arc hopefully. that he goes through in this game is learning that all of that was behavior that is not acceptable. And I think the feeling you get by the end, by the epilogue, is that he has settled down. He has become a dependable, worthy wife, uh, husband and father. And yeah, I, that's I, called a bad guy winning. Or it's called a flawed character changing and improving. I mean, that's, that's sure. just a semantic argument, I guess. But um, – you know, I think we see that all the time. He's a thief. He's a, a, a by definition, a thief is a a criminal who has who does things that are not, you know, not good. So I think the fact that he is a redeemed criminal is, I, I think, interesting. But yeah, and then I, I totally agree. I and again, these aren't. I, I might. I'm. I'm passionate. This isn't stuff I no, don't I like about you. the game. It's one of my my favorite games of all time. I think I tweeted. Uh, it's crazy when you're wrestling emotionally with where a game lands as your favorite in the franchise also ends up be- being very similar to your favorite of all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's the other, th- sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, the other narrative thing for me that keeps this game from being better than uncharted two. And I told you this um, off mic. And I think this is a, this is a big miss. It, it's, it's unfortunate. It's a big miss. The opening, whatever it is, three chapters, four chapters of the game, um, I don't want to overstate it, so I don't want to say horrible, but they are bad from a storytelling perspective. They are they are bad, and you guys in the Slash Film Cast, you know, drag Batman to be Superman over the coals for doing similar things. And I haven't since I beat the game. I've gone back and listened to a bunch of reviews and like consumed because I didn't want to leave this world right. Uh, <laughs> consumed so much Uncharted Four stuff, and the way the game opens uh, is with the flash forward. You're on the boat. You're going through, and it's like this epic chase thing and boats are exploding and you're heading for the island or whatever and then from there you flash back to the orphanage as kidnate which i will get into later about why kidnate is is a mess horrible 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 character the way they present him in both uncharted 3 and uncharted 4 and then kidnate ends with 
you getting on the back of Sam's motorcycle to go steal back the stuff that is your mom's. And Nate ends it by saying, or someone ends it by saying like, well, it could be worse. What's the worst that could happen? That's what it is. What's the worst that could happen? Well, we could go to prison and then they ride off and then it cuts to you and Sam are in prison. And so now as the player, you know three things about these characters. You know that they end up on a boat together escaping bad guys. You know that they were kids and that the worst thing that could possibly happen would be that they would end up in prison. And then you see them in prison. And when you're in prison, the next thing you do is try to escape to a boat. So I think it's very safe to assume that what happens is that that first boat scene you see is them escaping that prison in that boat, which isn't what happens. Sam dies, uh, uh, you know, gets shot and you think he dies. And then you, it's safe to assume that when you get arrested as kids, you end up in that prison, but that's also not what happens. There's like 20 years of other prison and other things happening. And it's such a weird intro to such a phenomenal game and story. But we know, that I think we know that they didn't go directly to prison because we played three other video games where he wasn't in prison. Well, he Nate could Nate wasn't old Nate when he was in prison there. Nate, the only reason you assume he didn't go to prison right after that is because of Uncharted three. You play him as a kid. Right. But Uncharted one could happen right after that game. Right after the prison scene. I think that, that you equated that to um, a scene in, in Batman v Superman where Perry White says something and then we, we cut to a completely different place that he's not referencing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the same thing here. I think, and maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt they don't deserve, but mm-hmm. I <laughs> I feel like what they're doing is subverting expectations rather than just poorly editing a story together. I think what I argue that Batman v Superman does the same thing. Well, that, in that moment, they're not subverting expectations. That they're just not paying off a joke in Batman v Superman. What's not ha- Perry White goes, "Where is that Clark Kent?" And then you cut to four scenes of not Clark Kent, rather than right. paying off the joke of "Where is that Clark Kent?" Cut to Superman, Superman doing something, so we know where Clark Kent is. That's just not paying off a joke, rather than, "Hey, let's go find." You know, I don't hope we don't end up in prison. Boom, we're in prison, but it's not the prison you thought it was. It's a different prison. It's still paying off the thing. It's just not doing it in the way that it led you to believe. So it's subverting your expectations on where we are and why we are there. But then they say, we got to get to the boat. We got to get to the boat. But then it's a different. Again, I think that's subverting. Ex- it's, it's, you think it's this boat, but that boat is, is later. I just think it's, it's more playful than that. It's not, it's not bad. It's more, and it maybe just didn't work for you and that's fine. But it, it, yeah, it did not. I also think opening on the boat chase, like Uncharted 2, it opened with the flash forward and so did Uncharted 3. And uh, I think the opening boat with chase that, is bad just because you, you lightly touch another boat and it flips over and explodes. And it's like, what? That's, but that's a, that's seen in the franchise throughout, whether it's, you know, yeah. Jeeps exploding. I just don't think it pays anything off that you st- I understand you want to start with action but I think this game could have started with all sorts of action I think it could have even started with Nate doing his underwater you know rescue of the you you think he's on a heist and then which you kind of do in this game anyway but it could have started there and a shark comes at him and he has to escape at a shark or the barge falls and he gets stuck and you know they do it later in the game where you're kind of drowning like let's say they, they tease you that you're going to run out of air. Maybe he runs out of air. You can have an action sequence that doesn't need to be from the last third of the game. I, I have no clue why they start there. By the way, how awesome was it when he comes up out of the water in that sequence and you see the like giant vista of the city that you're in? It's incredible. Like, oh, amazing. Can we, I know we've, we've 
I don't want to spend like an hour on this. We let's let's take about five more no, minutes. I, I just want to want focus to. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put out a three-hour episode of DLC. Um, I just want to take you know five minutes and talk a little bit about mechanics because we talked a lot about narrative and there's a lot. To can talk I just about. talk about Kid Drake real quick oh, sure. and then we can move to that? So Kid Drake is a, is I think a fail from a storytelling perspective because of what I mentioned in the beginning. I also think there's no need to show Kid Drake at the beginning. I think that whole Kid Drake scene could have been combined to the later Kid Drake scene. You break out of the orphanage, you go to the old lady's house, you find. The oh, sorry, I'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, uh, you find the stuff. And then you're gone, and they parse that down into half a scene. And Kid Drake, my problem with him in Uncharted 3, Kid Drake shouldn't be able to make these jumps and leaps. I can suspend disbelief that old Drake is able to do these things, but Kid Drake and Kid Sam doing these fantastical jumps, no, and it's not needed. Give him kid-level jumps that still be impressive and make him be like, you know, I would argue. Up. I'd argue a twelve-year-old could do it easier than a forty-year-old. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it's it's. And he uses the rope, but he doesn't have the rope for the other three games. I just feel like the way they handle, and maybe it is mechanics, Kid Drake is is a miss. And I think a storytelling perspective from breaking up the Kid Drake sections is a lost opportunity to have that really punch as hard as it could. Where you know this relationship with this backstory through Sam and Nate, and they do such a great job showing you these characters as they interact. And then you see it, and you see that he was left alone in this orphanage. And you see that when his brother comes and busts him out, you see the emotional rise of here's this guy, and I'm so happy, and it's going to be so amazing. And then you kind of see the gut punch of like, oh, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to go break into this thing. You are a bad guy. You are a bad Oh, it's mom and dad stuff. This is amazing. Oh, this lady dies. Oh, this. And then you're given all of this later in the game after you already have created somewhat of an idea of who Nate and Sam are. I think packs so much more punch than seeing it in the beginning, which essentially becomes a tutorial level. No, it it absolutely is a tutorial. That's its function. Right. But then it's also, again, maybe rehashing my other problem with these three intros, this just time warp of an intro for nothing better than I don't think it pays it off. I, I love the fact that you get washed up on that shore later in the game and you realize that was from the first part of the game when you were on the boat. Uh, and that sequence when you, in the rain. Uh, by the way, the the best-looking waterfall in the history of video games uh, on that The best-looking everything. Well, the best-looking everything, but specifically that waterfall. What about the first moment that you... Um, I know that you have that underwater section in, you know, early on in the game, but the first moment where you're in the submerged city and you like dive under the water and it's like, yeah. holy sh! Oh my god! Look at how beautiful the underwater is! I thought the- there's stuff down there. There's stuff. There's like leaves, seaweed, and all kinds of. Cra- oh my! And the fact that the game gets more and more beautiful as you go, and the, just the look and feel of all those places you discover late in the game, it, incredible, incredible. I think my favorite level though is the. Uh, the Scotland level, the, the 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 rocky shores. I saw you tweet that there's too much emphasis on sliding. I yeah. loved that. I thought the way you have to like leap up and slide down a little bit and then jump to the next thing. Like you, you literally can't get to the next handhold unless you navigate some sliding like horizontally to get to it. I loved that. I'd never really seen that in an Uncharted before, and I thought it was such a cool take on their own platforming mechanics. I think it was great in Scotland. I understand you build a new mechanic. You want to use it because you spend all this money on it. It was just over you. I mean, by like the 20th time, 30th time you're doing it, you're just like, how much slippery stuff is there? Yeah. <laughs> and I've never encountered slippery stuff before. I guess. I mean, it's really cool. I just think it was, it was overused. I also think mechanically and I, Oh, so I played on normal. 
uh if i could go back in time i would play on easy um there is less combat in this game than the others but chapter 20 it's just like i they don't go to supernatural so i feel like they wanted to give some big hard payoff yeah chapter 20 you can watch it on my stream i die a lot and frustratingly like it's not fun at that it just i just don't really like that you go to black fun. and white when you're about to die i hate that i wish they could get would get rid of it it doesn't help it's not useful it just makes the game more frustrating when you get close to death um it ruins a very beautiful game anyway uh but i i, I understand what you're saying i give them a lot of credit for not going to supernatural because the series has always done mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i like the fact that you know you're walking around with elena in that old you know pirate village and she's like you think pirate ghosts are going to be around the next corner and it's like yeah. That's what we're all thinking. That's what we're all thinking. Thanks for acknowledging what we're all thinking. Yeah. So Well, there's so many great, like, Easter eggs and references to the own, its own series, but also, like, Monkey Island, and it's like, yeah. what this game does with everything piratey, and then also its own franchise, is, is beautiful. Then mechanically, my other mechanic gripe is the introduction of the rope. Uh, from a storytelling perspective, it's weird that you had it as a kid and then didn't have it in the other three, which I know technically they didn't, maybe couldn't do it, <laughs> didn't have the tech to do it. Um, but I think that's an easy save too. I don't think Kid Drake needs to have it because he didn't have it as Kid Drake. I agree. In three. He shouldn't have, Kid Drake shouldn't have had it. I agree. Kid, Kid Drake shouldn't but have it. it. But and again, the, it was a tutorial level. Right. But they could still teach you how to do it later. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then when Sam... You know, when you meet Sam, they try to give you a wink and a nod to why you didn't have it in the other three. Like, you clearly haven't used it for a while. Nate's like, I got this. And Sam's like, really? Yeah, and you miss. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like, too, it's, it's a magic rope that just, like, zooms back to itself. Yeah. And, again, for a game that everything else is at such high level, that feels a little weird. And I Agreed. think it's an easy fix with something like, you know, Kid Drake doesn't have Finds it. Finds a magic pirate rope. <laughs> well, no, Sam gives him this thing. And Nate's like, what is this? And it looks kind of like janky or whatever. And he's like, what is this? And Sam's just like, Magic pirate try rope. it. Try it. <laughs> you know, I, they couldn't say this, but he's like, you know, Batman? And and Nate's like, get out of here. And Sam's like, you have a lot of free time when you're in prison for 15 years. So then you get a guilt. You get an emotional thing. <laughs> That's dumb, then, dude. That's dumb. That He invented a rope thinking that he would get out of prison and be able to use this rope. I'm it's sorry. a wink and a nod to a mechanic that is dumb anyway. Yeah. If you're going to have a dumb, unrealistic mechanic in it, give it a dumb, unrealistic explanation. Otherwise, it's just like, what is this? No, I agree. For a game that's so grounded in reality, you know, a lot of the video game parts just don't. But, I mean, it's almost the same as, like, murdering 500 people on your way to, to you know, being worried about whether your brother's going to die or not. You know, it's like... <clears throat> It's all sort of lunonarrative dissonance, even on a even on a platforming thing of like a guy who can, sure. you know, hang from a thing and climb a, another thing, and then a rope that just magically works. It all it all sort of sits in the same video gamey place. Well, I think another easy fix, though, like you suggested it earlier, like what if he just keeps finding ropes? Yeah, you know, I mean, he keeps finding ammo. What if the bad guys have ropes too? They don't ever have to use them until one bad guy use it, and then you, you so kill a dude all and you find ropes. ropes. Wait, how else would you unhook? Well, you would never be hook. able to hook it anyway. You'd never be able to leap off a thing, throw a grappling well, hook, hook it. You know how grappling hooks work? It's not like that at all. Oh, I, I again, but so there, for me, there's a sliding scale of things that you just like accept and believe yeah. in video games. And the magic rope coming back to me was push it pushes that. Yeah. Uh, but to its testament, this game, and I think I said this uh, maybe it was on one of the streams. I don't know if I tweeted it. The beauty of this game, and it's so incredible and so awesome is that as i'm playing it 
and this maybe isn't the right analogy, but it's the only one I could think of. It's it's almost like Portal, where I know there's only one way to solve the room in Portal, but when I do it, I feel like I'm breaking the game, where it's like, <laughs> you idiots, you didn't think I could shoot it around the corner and yeah. c- create the portal and get out this way, and as you're climbing... Maybe there's only one way. I don't know. I haven't replayed it yet. I am going to go back and play it again on easy or uh, explore like super easy just to be in this world more. Um, but I, I feel like there are a hundred different ways I could climb up these mountains or explore this jungle. Yeah, but I way. choose to go my way. And that it's not yellow handholds. It's very much organic looking building and climbing. Un, unbelievable. The The freedom you feel when you're doing this thing and i'm like oh these idiot guys have no idea i've stuck around the back (laughs) nice try naughty dog your game's broken i'm gonna sneak around the back and it's like well no that's where they want me to go but oh it's so good yeah well this has been fun um i you know we both love the game we have you know some nitpicks but i think overall something i've said over and over is this game really is greater than the sum of its parts because you can find fault in any one chapter in the game or any one facet of of how it came together there are little things that you can critique or criticize but taken all together it is clearly one of the greatest video games of all time for me it's the best uncharted um not just oh okay i was gonna ask you can you rank them real quick yeah i think four two one three i think for me um but I haven't played one in a long time, so I might have to go back and, and play one again. I just just my memory of, of what it was like. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're very, very, very good games. I think this one just kind of, it's peak Naughty Dog. It completes the series in such a satisfying way. It, it has the most great character moments. I think it has the best platforming. And for me, Uncharted always the f- most fun was mm-hmm. the platforming. Like, I, the, the shooting has improved steadily over time. I think they've gotten to a point where it's actually pretty good shooting now, and the stealth stuff that they added in was, was you know, pretty satisfying. But that's not what I sign up for. Like, I love the platforming in these games. I find that exploration element to be really fun. And I think this game does that better than any of the other games in the series. So combine, I think, what is the best narrative without any kind of supernatural at the end with the best platforming, I have the best Uncharted game that I've played. Yeah, it's one of the best video games ever made. For me, Uncharted 2 is a notch above, and I don't know if that is just nostalgia or not. Um, you know, whatever. That's my opinion, so I can have them. <laughs> and, not uh, according to the internet, Christian. Just, uh, come at me, internet. Just, just incredible. And I, I can't, I, I can't believe it. And I don't know, you know, this isn't inside information. I don't know anything. Maybe everything went smoothly. But just for a game that had a trailer and a story that was, being led under a person who's no longer there and to have a you know to me there are so many trouble signs that could have popped up for this game that you read about publicly and uh whatever they did however they did it holy moly i definitely ordered the limited edition vinyl from i am 8 bit uh i i love this game it's in Credit. All right, well, let's wrap up because I'm sure this is now a three-hour long episode. Um, Your mom's a three-hour episode. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys next week.